Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to the world. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitars Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitars or on Twitter as at Pract Guitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitarspodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hello, David. Um, so can we can we just can we just get the elephant out of the way right here? Cut the title taste. of this episode, which we never really say the title of the episode unless it's accidental. Yeah. Uh, the title of this episode is um, what did we what did we say it was going to be? Um, oh wait, I can I can read it to you. Can it was three, it? three 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 steps back no yeah no 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 it was oh third times the charm. Third, third times the charm. Third times the charm i was gonna say three of a perfect pair but i don't think we have enough king crimson fans who listen so to it's actually yeah but we'll we'll talk about why it's third times a charm it's actually a fourth even though it's like fifth um yeah fourth for me yeah fourth for me um so uh yeah so I, just just before we get started i want to tell our listeners give him hell yeah, completely, completely, but I deserve it. Um, so as David can see, because you guys can't see this, I should do a screenshot real quick. Let me screen grab this. And uh, what's going on is, uh, so I went out and I bought a used amp, right? And um, I got, I'm just screaming grabbing this, my side, because David, uh, David had a, I'm eating chips. So my mouth is wide open at this thing. I don't know. It's me staring at the screen trying to find the screen grabbing thing. You know what I need to do is redo this. Hold on, let me read this for you. I would post it as is, screw it. There you go. Now my I'm just kind of in like I always am. I've got one my hand in front of my face. Like hey, I'm just thrilled that behind me, all I've got is like tools now. I I did some cleaning this week. Yeah. <laughs> So I, um, uh, I sold, so I, I, I bought and sold <laughs> two amps this week, two little, um, not lunchbox, but that's two not little the, practice. That's not the bomb he's going to drop, folks. No, that's not the, that's not the three times a charm. But so I, I kind of feel bad and I'll let you know why here at the end of the story. So I did the flipping thing, right? So I said, okay, I'm going to buy a GDAC because the GDAC was super cheap. So I drove up to Newport News, bought a GDAC. I went into a really nice guy. He had a GDAC, real cheap. It was in great condition. You didn't pay anything it. for it. 
paid almost nothing for it. Paid less than half of what uh, people have it priced for and about half what it goes for. Sold it for what I paid. Or no, almost double what I paid. Then I just bought this, which is the Roland Cube 40XL. I'm a terrible weatherman, so I'm trying to point. I'm, I'm right? trying not to be I don't know the why bad. I'm pointing, because Dave can see it. And I, I'm uh, trying not but, to be the bad guy. but Yeah. But no, so I bought this, right? Which is probably the the inferior amp of the two, probably. I'm, I'm, I don't know. They're they're both freaking little ten inch. I get in trouble when I say things suck, so I'm just gonna shut my mouth. So then I walked away, folks, with cash. Okay, he's, he's showing a wad of ones and two twenties, <laughs> and two yeah, a lot a wad of ones and two twenties, making myself look real. Let me let me get my gangster. Make sure you fold that over so the ones are on the inside. So hold on, I gotta get to the I gotta get to the group because I gotta post this picture. I gotta post both pictures, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna paste that. That's the beauty of snipping tool. You can just paste directly from snipping tool right in. Before we get to the meat of this, right? Can I point out something? Because I just realized something. What? Do you know what other amp you've owned three of? Hold on, that's not done yet. No, no. Do you know what? Oh other yes, amp I do. Own? Hold on, because I, I have the third one behind me. Yes. Hold on. All right, I gotta do this. This is me with my wad of cash. All right. There we go. All right. So, yes, a Marshall DSL 40. Well, actually, this is the first 40CR. But, yeah, I've owned two Marshall 40Cs. Oh, three. He's I, owned three DSLs. Three DSLs. Three DSL 40s. That's no kidding. But don't worry. I'm, I'm, all, right. all right. I posted the. I also He's still in love copy with pasted, things. but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna leave that open just in case I want to put more crap in that in that post. So here's here's what happened. So I meet the guy at Guitar Center because I wanted to be able to test it, and make sure it worked. And uh, he's got a he's got a um, Jeep with a with a little kid, his wife, and himself. And I feel re I feel bad for asking him to go to Guitar Center now because I'm like I could have met you anywhere. And he's like, yeah, you can go on and then try it. And I go, man, if you met me at Guitar Center, it, it was going to work. Yeah. Because you wouldn't have driven all the way here. You would have come up with some lame-ass excuse that you couldn't yeah. make it. So I bought it. I brought it home. It, it works fine. It's, as you can see, it's got the sticker. This thing looks like it's never been used. Yeah, it's I'm going to tell you why. A first-time first amp. This know? is why his dad owned it and then passed away. Oh. I felt terrible. Yeah, I'm like, just be haunted. Oh man, it's I'm fine. so I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's haunted. There's a, there's a little ghost thing in it. So I turn it on. I'm like, um, and he had cranked it obviously and just tested it. Guess what he gave me for free with it? So guess what I'm gonna give away for free? What? The foot controller. This beautiful. I get it to on to uh, I'm a Mogami. Not worse. Worse. Monster. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. This, you couldn't give that way fast enough. There's this, the haunted part. <laughs> this monster cable. Because yeah. guess what it doesn't do? Work. Plug into a guitar. Because the things are too big. They're famous for this shit. Yeah, I know. So the yeah. plug, I couldn't get this into my guitar. Which one? This one. No, I mean, which guitar? Oh, I'm sorry. The Strat. The Red Strat. Yeah. So it's probably, probably not something that Ah! Probably not something that's a big deal, but um, I was like, "What the heck?" Well, 
and I remember just a little while ago here, this thing is really thick, really heavy. I mean, it's a heavy strap. This thing yeah, probably weighs two pounds. You mean a cable. That's what I meant, cable. What did I say? Strap. <laughs> strap. Yeah. Well, we know what Jim uses his cables for now. Yeah. This is going to become a light strap. bondage. This is, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> the look on Jim's face when I said that. Priceless. Yeah, the, Priceless, yeah, folks. Yeah. His eyes had bugged a, out. I had a joke for it, but I, I'll, I'll yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I went far enough. <laughs> anybody wants this for free, contact me. You can have it for shipping. I will give it to you for shipping, which would probably be about three bucks. Yeah, um, uh, maybe a little bit more, but yeah, yeah, because yeah. it it does probably weigh. I, I I just throw it in a you just throw it in a bubble mailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I would do. Throw it in a bubble mailer, just mail it to you. So if you want it, you can have it. I think it's a it's about ten feet. I mean, for free, don't bitch about what. Yeah, size who cares at that point? You're getting a cable is, for for cost of shipping, folks. It's a pro link. Performer 500 Monster Rock, the cutting edge, high clarity, low noise. Yeah. Um, musical instrument cable by Monster Cable. I'm just and talking crap says, about this so Jim won't make any money. Then it says one foot. I don't want any money for I it. I know, I know. I, get, I give it to you for the price of and I will show you the price of postage. So you can, and, and if it costs me less than $5 to mail it, you can have it for free, and I will not charge you postage. So there you go. You can have it. Anybody wants to get it, wants it, contact me. Jim's cutting that. into his profit margin. It's really bad here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I spent that on McDonald's. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just messing with you. So, um, uh, yeah. All right, so that's number one. Are we ready for number two? Yeah, Do we want to talk about number, number two, two this early? Three, four, or should we talk five? about Iron Maiden first? Let, let's talk. No, let's get the cat out of the bag. Let's get the cat out of the bag. So what is the number three? Well, first number three, obviously, is the Marshall. But we already knew about that. Yeah, he's owned three of the DSL-40s. We've said that. Yes. What else has he owned a multiple of? So I've owned two, now a third. I just got a, um, a Boss Katana. He bought 100. another one. Another one. Um, and uh, I bought a bundle. So I, I got, for the price of the Katana, I got the foot switch and the, um, a cover. Cover. Yeah, the and and a free. That's why I'm giving this one away, people, because I'm a getting free one. Cable. <laughs> a free boss cable. The, the boss the cables are actually day. pretty good. I like them. Yeah, it and so it's a, yeah. I have a few of them. I've got one. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. That's not the one. It's one of the few it. cable brands that you can still find at Guitar Center too. Yeah, I mean, I got this one here is the uh, nice one E. The, whatever, whatever. It's a nice one, but I got I got a couple of the bosses too, and I really like those. I usually keep them so with my stuff. So. So can we, can I, now I'm going to, now I'm going to grill you for a minute. Oh, wait, but there's oh. more that I have not only had, this will be my third Katana 100. That he'll, that he'll, I also had owned. the 50. Yeah. He had the 50 for, I had the 50 first. So. I, I bought the 50 and then you returned it and, and I almost bought another 50. So here's how it kind of went down. So I was, excuse me. I was looking at a 50 online for 150 bucks and, um, it was used, and I thought, I could just get this 50. And then I remembered why I didn't want the 50. There's a number of reasons, but a, lot a plethora of, of reasons. Yeah, a plethora um, of reasons. The, fi the 50 is, the, the cabinet's smaller, the speaker yeah. is slightly different. The um, Because the cabinet's smaller, you don't get as much bass response. Um, the treble is different in the yep. 50 because of the smaller cabinet. I mean, that's a huge part of this amp. 
Um, there's a bunch of features missing. The power scaling's different. The yep. um, I, I, there's ins and outs that are missing as well. Yep. There's um, no effects. No um, effects. No effects loop. Yeah. There's no. Uh, you can't use the GF GAFC, so right. you've only you got the ability the to button. use the two buttons. So it means you only get two channels. You only get two channels. Oh, it's four, I thought it was four channels. It's four channels on the hundred. Oh, I thought it was four channels. It might, it maybe, buttons, but you only have channels. remote access to two channels. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, so four that, presets, two channels. I got you. Yeah, four. Yeah, four presets, two channels. Where this one has four four full channels that you can. I mean, uh, honestly, they're they're roughly comparable. If you don't need yeah. the extra features, the fifty watts probably fine. I... And and oh, and the record out because the fifty the fifty doesn't have a standby position, so the record out mutes the speaker on the fifty. So if you I'm use it, laughing. then it doesn't become your own little monitor. I'm about to sell my my head. I think or maybe I, I haven't decided yet. I, I probably I will. Um, as you know, and if you're a member of our Facebook group, you've probably already heard. I returned the Ibanez AZ. Um, it just was not working for me. Like the the, the main thing was the uh, the pick guard and the humbucker mount and the pick guard, uh, and the fact that it was a basswood body. And there was a number of things that were adding up. But basically, I wasn't getting the attack I wanted out of the guitar. Um, and after about a week of fiddling around with it and getting it set up and dealing with the conniption that that was, um, because the guitar settled like a lot um, more than any other guitar I've ever owned. Um, I just, I finally said, you know what? I can't put out a thousand dollars on a guitar that I'm not in love with, and so I, I shipped it back. I'm waiting on my refund check. Um, I got a lot of options open. I'm planning to make a trip down to Sweetwater and play Strandberg. Um, and I'm looking at just ordering another Kiesel if the Strandberg doesn't pan out or something of that ilk. I don't know. It's gonna be, I, I, it's gonna be a custom route, right? Like. It's going to be a Strandberg, or I'm going to build something, or I'm going to order something specifically to what I want. So, um, and it's not, it's not that um, I have anything against warm or anybody like that. The reason I'm looking at Kiesel is like with assembly and everything, and I can get a headless from them, um, which is something you can't get from Warmoth. Yep. Um, oh, I didn't know that. No, they don't do they don't do headless over there. Kind of makes sense. I mean, it's it's a really weird niche item. Maybe in ten years, if it's they're still around, like and really popular. Because uh, they they go in and out of phase, you know. Like sometimes they're really popular and sometimes they're not. So yeah, they had a a big rise of popularity in the mid '80s. Well, you know why that is. So that this the Steinberger thing, that bug was big. Like everybody had a Steinberger. Who was anybody in you know '80s pop music and '80s uh, '80s rock and roll? Oh yeah. Um, and like like Genesis was big into them. They had they Rush. Um, yeah Rush had them like. A lot of those bands from that time period were really yep. into the idea. Um, and what ended up happening was when they went belly up because they couldn't they couldn't fulfill orders um, and they were purchased by Gibson, like for a, a significant period of time, all the patents on the stuff that would be used to do that were in limbo because nobody could really license any of it. So even if even if Ned wanted to, Ned Steinberger, the designer, wanted to license this stuff out to everybody, he couldn't. And um, it got it got kind of a mess because you couldn't even get replacement parts, and that was all yeah. owned by um, Ed Roman. He bought he bought all of the replacement parts, and he had him he he bought it was like a like a trailer that was sitting on Gibson's lot or something. Yeah, it's weird. And then of course he started putting out LSR guitars, which were basically licensed. They weren't even licensed; they were just Steinberger copies. 
using right. the original hardware. And then on down the road, um, I think it was the late 90s, the patents started to kind of erode a little bit. And a couple of companies kind of pushed the envelope in terms of what they could do um, in, in, in getting the hardware similar to what Steinberg was doing. And I think when that started to break, I think more companies got inter interested in doing headless guitars again. So did you see what Devo did to get to get one? Um, they they wanted a Steinberger style guitar. So what they did was they just took a Telecaster and cut the wood off. But the but the problem was this is what's funny about the Devo one, and you can see it in uh, if you ever watch the video for um, uh, I can't get no satisfaction from yeah. Devo. Um, they had to take the electronics because obviously the electronics are down in the bow of the guitar. Right, right. right. They had to take all the, the electronics and push it to the back. The guitar is like like this long. It goes, it goes like this far back from the guitarist, and he's got a head over here. So, but he couldn't go headless, so he has like a headstock, and then he's got like a guitar that goes whoop, like yeah. two feet behind him. So it's kind of a weird looking thing. It would, um, if you if you watch that video you'll laugh your butt off it's like the 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 headstock is reversed right like basically there's yeah. a headstock where the nut is and the strings run down from that end the ball the ends end are, end. Yeah, yeah exactly it's just a reverse guitar people have seen that kind of thing done since well yeah but this was are we not men we are devo so this was right 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 that 80, was, yeah like that was prior to ned steinberger like even doing it um yeah and the funny thing was uh if you if you kind of know the history like I, I say the Ned Steinberger hardware is really important. There were still guitars being produced with no heads during this period, but they were not popular. And right. it was, I think it was just the lack of like hardware support was a big part of it. Um, yep. And it took somebody like Strandberg to come up with a new method of doing it, you know, with a new, because, because the, the, um, I don't know what you call the nut or what, what you would call it, but, but basically the nut assembly on Strandberg is very different than right. another guitar. And of course you had J custom that was also making some similar stuff. And now, yep. Uh, hip shot has gotten involved. Hip shot. Um, yep. and actually, Floyd Floyd Rose had uh, the um, speed loader, which could yes. be deployed in a on a headless configuration. Um, I, you know, I still don't understand. So when I look at a Floyd Rose, I'm like, why is it? Because I remember the the speed loader Floyd Roses even into the 2000s, and I'm like, why are people not using the speed loaders? Because it makes more sense. You don't have to worry about all this other crap. The string goes in, boom, you're done. Because they did not have any hardware support from other manufacturers. So picture your Ernie Ball, right? Yep. They come to you and they say, we got this design concept for a bridge. You're going to have to produce calibrated strings for it. And you're going to have to pay us a certain amount of money to use the speed loader name on the, on the string package. Yeah, I guess that... Probably because yeah, because you had two ball end strings. Well, I not two uh, strings with ball ends on both ends, mm -hmm. and they were like you said, they were calibrated. Yeah, they had to be like, pretty just exact. Like the um, the trans trem strings from I guess LaBella from Steinberger, right? Stein, Steinberger. Yeah. yeah, and that's why those Steinberger were great. Is done because yeah. they couldn't. They, I mean, that was unrealistic for them to ever anticipate that people are going to adopt a new string pattern. Um, Steinberger, like the cool thing about the trans trem though, is you can actually bend it in tune with, the, right. with the whammy. And like, you can't do that with any other bridge. That's the only bridge on the planet that does it. Yep. Um, and I don't think anybody's producing a calibrated set for them now. I, I think, don't think so. Not anymore. I think you'd have to buy them. You have to buy like these new old stock old and stock. hope they're not rusty. Yeah. Um, 
and I know people they still do it. I mean, I don't know anybody around here, but I know right. people are still way into the trans trim thing. Well, I'm um, sure if you called a place like String Drawer or something like that, they, they could probably they could do something. But the reverse they, engineer. Well, something. that was the thing. The calibration equipment's not cheap, nope. and the and it would be a complete new investment for these companies to do it. Yeah. So anyway, um, and it, I would digress. it be worth the money? I doubt it. I digress. The re the real reason why I'm looking at headless guitars is I think they're more ergonomic, and it's just from this perspective. Like if I sit on the couch or whatever, I don't have to worry about my headstock banging into things, um, and they're lighter. I mean, the, the the headstock mass, you'd be surprised how much mass is actually in the headstock because oh, yeah. the headstock has tuners and it has, you know, now granted yeah. it all goes into the bridge, but a lot of these guitars have uh, a reduced tuners are different. body size and stuff to go with them too. Right. So, um, but yeah. The tuners are different too. They're, they're not as heavy. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Um, so I, you know, that's, that's kind of why I'm still looking at headless guitars and, and taking a long look. What was that company that put... The tuners like on the very back of the you remember those? It was uh, like the Traveler still does it. Traveler's yeah, still but, out there. Yeah, but there was a company that was doing I know a there's full others done it, but... bodied guitar, which it it looked ridiculous, but you would run the ball in from the from the nut, run it back across the bridge, and then well, Babbix kind of like gives it went Babbix does they, they, that's well, it. that's the acoustic guitar, and the whole thing is to spread the, the resonance out over the top. Yeah. Which actually yeah. makes Makes sense. It makes sense. I, I don't know if it works. I've never I played one. Couldn't but it tell you either. Sense. But it's but like it's a sound concept, and I would be interested to play one. But I've never seen one in the wild. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so that's that. Um, your third katana. You're nuts. You're out of your mind. I'm, I'm insane. Um, the katana. Like, there's there's some. Look, we we've said this before. The katana is not the amp for everybody. Like, if you're a professional gigging musician, like. Katana makes an okay backup, but you're probably going to want something like a DSL 40 or, you know, just something inexpensive that you can use. This is to put in the church. Um, right. And so that might be the perfect animal for that. Um, Acoustic setting, done. Yeah. Well, you're going to use it as a full range, full range flight response? No. Oh, just no. an acoustic amp. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I was going to say, the speakers in there are not FR, so no, forget it. Um, no, because that's the other thing about the Katana 100. It is not. A, it is not a full range speaker. They're a weird speaker, man. They're like somewhere yep. between um, uh, a Greenback and a T75. Yep. They're, I don't know what what they're of their of their own. I liked them when they first when when the Katana first came out, but I don't know if I do anymore. Um, it's better than the internal speaker on the head. But let me put it to this way. So a lot of these beach gigs I've got coming up, um, they're pool parties. So I'll be playing at a pool. Well, now, I, I was just you know say, the resonance in a pool, yeah, an indoor pool? Yeah, it's just not great. Yeah. You do not want volume. You don't want – so it's got to be low, but it's got to be – you know, it's it, – in other words – You want to turn it's, the trouble down. <laughs> yeah. And so these things are where, where I'm kind of stuck. All right. Where this thing would just boom. <laughs> yeah, it's just gonna it, boom out. And I constantly have people saying, "Could you turn it down, please?" You almost, if you're gonna run anything to the PA in that situation, you almost have to like take a 31 band EQ and patch it in, and yeah. just cut everything except for like mids. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, like I cannot imagine playing in a reflective environment. I've been in some some bars and stuff where the like the front the front side of the bar is all glass, and yeah. that can be a nightmare if you're facing it. Oh, it's terrible. Um, but yeah, I couldn't imagine playing it. Your highs just come back at you with just 
Oh, um, piercing. So yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a bad decision. I'm just saying that that um, I don't. I'm not going to pretend like the Katana is the best amp in the world. I think it's no. a great solution for the amount of money because I what you didn't sell your Mark V to buy a Katana? No, no. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not. I sold my uh, what look, is that I, guy? I, I know <laughs> people who have the Katana is their main amp, and that's fine. Yeah. Like that's why I don't want to. I don't want to discourage people from thinking like that's not acceptable. I'm just saying that if you're if you're making money doing this and you're gigging regularly, you right. probably want to have an option, um, especially because the katana has a pretty limited frequency range in in cer- certain regards. And so, yeah. like, like I could not imagine a band running two katanas. Like one guy's got one, and the other guy's got another head, and then they get the same cabs. Because they're just going to stomp all over each other in in frequency range because they're super focused amps. They're not they're not a what I would call a wide berth amp, right? right. Um, whereas a Marshall, that Marshall you've got, like it opens up on the top end, something fierce. Um, yep. And and just about anywhere else, I can use that thing. And and the other side of it is that for these open mics, I'm either going to use that thing right there, or some of the little ones. This is perfect. Mm-hmm. And then some of the bigger open mics I'll use because this is I don't want to bang this around. As you can see, it's white. Yeah, and it's so just, I would have never bought a white one. Yeah, I love it. Um, I love it. Everybody, I go, man, that is so cool, so gorgeous. I, I, I actually it's white and gold. I've always wanted a snakeskin amp. Mm-hmm. I almost got oh, it yeah. this this uh, at at, at uh, Gearfest, but well, um, yeah, as you know, my I'm gonna get a Kemper here. So Kemper stage is the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, right. that's coming at the end of the year. So, um, we talked about the AZ. We talked about the 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 fourth katana. That, it's funny because between the two of us, Jim and I are both owned. We've owned six yeah, katanas. Six. Between the, between <laughs> we were the talking two about that today. We've um, had six katanas. They're obviously something good. Less about than them. like three or four years. Yeah. Well, it's the thing. Like in their class, yeah, three years. In their class, there's nothing else. I mean, if you're looking for an amp for 350 bucks, I challenge you to find something better than a katana that can do what the katana does. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Find me um, a, a guitar amp, and, and don't tell me the, the Marshall Code or the Fender The Code's Mustang. crap. The, the, Mustang is, the Mustang is made for home use. That's what it's made for. The, co- yeah. the Code, uh, it's just, there's so I, much space. I, like, I couldn't what get a thinking. No, the code is terrible. terrible. Well, in my opinion, I want to say it that way because I know that I know people that use a code. I I wouldn't use a code. Um. Yeah. So AZ katanas. Um. I still think, like for me, um. Now that I have the the Kemper, the katana is kind of superfluous, which is why it may yeah may get the boot. Um, yeah. I. I was just talking to somebody because I posted that Red Shoal video, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, yeah, because I really want to talk about that. I posted to someone, and I don't think it was in our group, um, regarding the Red Shoal video about the um, the Kemper and the fact that, like, since I got my... Oh, it was in uh, Robert's Guitar Dungeon group. Um, since I got my Kemper, yep. I haven't plugged into a tube amp. Yeah, isn't that crazy? No, I I mean, I literally haven't. Um, and it's just, it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, I'm not, I'm not sitting here thinking like it's better or, or anything like that. It's just, there's no, no necessity to. Um, oh. And it's so much easier to just sit down and dial in the, um, the Katana, or not the Katana, <laughs> not the Katana. Yeah, the Kemper. The, the Kemper. Uh, yeah. K-words. 
Um, so let's talk a little bit about that because I want to I, I want to talk more about first of all the video posted. Okay, so and I'll, you posted it, so I'll summarize. You start okay, so Reschel posts this video, and it's basically him looking at the Kemper stage, which he's done a video like this before, where he looked at the Kemper versus the Helix, and he came down the side of the Helix over the Kemper, and, and I I totally get in the other video why he did that. So at the end of the video, like the whole thing he he gave on the original one was. Well, the Kemper is in either this toaster format or it's in a rack format, and then you have to have this separate cook controller that runs on the floor. And in certain gigging situations, that's not doable. Now, I am going to take him to task on a little bit, though, because we know every time we have seen Rhett Schull playing with, you know, his bands or whatever, whoever he's touring with, he's got a giant pedal board on the floor or the Helix, right? The giant pedal board and a, and a big two by twelve combo or something like that behind him, and I'm sitting there going, I'm scratching my head because I'm but because at that point you're defeating your own animal here. You're going to take a giant pedal board over a Kemper or or you know even the Helix. Um, so now he does this new video, right? And now he's got the, the Helix stage. So I and the Kemper stage and the Helix, and I'm thinking he's going to say. Well, this is this is what I've been waiting for all along because this is the reason why I selected one over the other originally. But that's not what he said at all. He he goes through all the process, which which the video is great. He gives all the details, all the relevant information that you'd want to know um, if you're a beginner to the Kemperverse or if you're beginning to beginner to the Helix side of things. And then at the end of the video, he says, "Now, if I had to pick, um, if I could only have one, I would pick the Helix." And I look, I'm not debating whether or not you should pick one or the other, I'm saying he probably shouldn't pick sides. What he should have done is said, you know what? These are both excellent tools for what they do. And I think there's a little bit of shenanigans here. So if you don't know, Retro's videos, if you click the comments, he has a Amazon affiliate links. By the way, we have an Amazon affiliate account now too. Um, and there's a link to it in our announcements on Facebook. But anyway, so if you go down to that list, all this stuff is, is listed there and you can click on it and you can go buy it through his Amazon affiliate link. And that gives him a kickback, right? But I don't think that's really the reason. I think he has an endorsement deal with line six to some extent. And he, I, I heard from various people and I haven't seen the video where he said it, but I, but he probably did. He says, I got a Helix for free. So it's in his best interest if he's getting free product. You know, he didn't get a Kemper for free. So he's probably sitting there going, you know what? I need to make sure my my own interests are secured and more power to him. I mean, I honestly, um, if we were getting free gear right and left, I'd probably do something similar. We're not getting free gear right and left. I'm not asking for free gear. I don't want free gear because I think I'd rather have an, um, uh, an unbiased opinion. And I don't want to have pundits like me sitting here doing this about what I'm doing. That's And that's a big part of it. Um, but this isn't a gear podcast. This is a guitar podcast. So um, what I think is interesting about Rhett's, Rhett's whole thing is like it's ignited this discussion in our group about whether or not um, whether or not the Helix is a superior product uh, to the Kemper. And I want to just give I want to give my two cents. I, I know you guys have probably heard me say this before, but I'm going to try to run through as quickly as possible. I have had the Helix for two years. I sold my Helix. I bought a Kemper, if you recall. I've had my Kemper since June. Um, I've gotten way more mileage out of my Kemper than I did my Helix the entire time I owned it. 
Um, it takes me 20, 30 minutes to set up a performance, which is for five separate amp models, effects, um, you know, figuring out what effects turn on when and all those different things. It's all, you know, pretty cut and dry. I can do it in 30 minutes. On a Helix, for me to set up a patch with amp modeling, with, you know, proper cabinets, maybe IRs, um, and all the effects and stuff, it'll take me five or six hours to get one patch for a performance done. One. Five or six hours. And to me, I know people are, oh, well, you can just buy presets, but no, no, no. Look, you need to know how to use the unit, okay? And I, I've said this before, buying Kemper profiles, you're buying a recording of an amp is what you're buying, right? That's something you may not have access to because it's not, it doesn't come on your, your Kemper. But Helix, on the other hand, I'm limited to what's in the box except for the IRs, which means that you should just use it, figure it out, do it yourself. Um, at least in my opinion. And so for me, the workflow didn't make sense. Now, yeah, we we talked about Chris from uh, that other group uh, last episode, I think it was. Um, and I, I, he, look, this whole situation is a lot of people who are misinformed about both products. And some people are feeding off of that, as we, as we pointed out. Um, this is the positive feeding off of this, right? We had the negative feeding off of this last week on the show. The positive feeding is, of course, that um, Rhett Scholl says, yeah, it's a great product. I'm going to continue to use it. I'm going to keep both, um, but I'm probably going to use the Helix more often. I, yeah. that. All right. So I'm going to say this. I posted this in the group, but I'm going to say this. So, Shaw comes from, he started out as a guitarist, professional church guitarist. He played church music. So, it is more likely that he is more at home with tweaking a whole bunch of layered um, tremolos and delays and all the stuff, you know, all the stuff not, he normally would. I mean, drives, yes, but not drives like what we would consider drives, even as a classic know, rock player. You know, not, and that's the drives. thing. So if you see and his board, he's got everything but the kitchen sink, and he right. uses maybe 2% of it. I mean, it's yep. it's ridiculous. He's got the entire yep. Strymon mothership on his board. Of course. And it's yeah. like, dude, how many different forms of delay do you use in a set? One. But if you were, yeah, and if you were, I, I'm just saying... Um, I'm not saying what he does use, but if what you were used to having available to you is the Strymon motherboard or mothership. Well, that, that was my other point. Then he doesn't. Yeah, you're going to want the Helix. He doesn't tour the, the Helix, though. That's the thing. He's acting like, oh, I've used a lot. I've watched a lot of his, his touring di dialogues on the channel for the last yep. like probably six months. It's all been amps and and yep. pedal boards. So he he's at the point used, where that, that the Helix thing almost doesn't make sense for him anymore. Yep. He used the Helix once. Yeah, I, I, I and he has the it power cap. Catastrophic cap with it too. Yep, it was a catastrophic loss. Um, oh, his pedal board. Uh, uh, somebody fried a power thing or a power, anyway, he was overseas. Yeah, but he ended up plugging and into he, an AC30 for that. He plugged into an AC30. I borrowed AC30. Yeah, but I mean, he didn't whip out like a he didn't Helix use the, or anything the like Helix. That. That's right. Um, yeah, so he, yeah, I, I think I've seen him use the Helix in one video live. 
Oh, he was playing for that girl, the the woman that um yeah, is he's like been a doing a lot of singer. stuff lately. She like I yeah. actually like their music quite a bit. I've been listening to yeah, some of the channel. I'm like, yeah, okay, I can get into this. Yeah, she's pretty good. Um again, if you're used to all those effects that you have layered and and in individual positions and so on and so forth, yeah, you're probably going to want a helix. That's and I think that's where he's coming from. Where if you're a straight up player that only uses, you know, uh, first of all, a drive pedal. You and I talked about this because I said, what about drive? Get real specific in a minute, but go ahead. Yeah, because I'm gonna because I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna throw the ball back at you. So um, I said, yeah, but what about drive A, drive B, drive C? Because the Kemper doesn't include as many drives. And your point is, when you go by professional profiles, they often include drive pedals on the profile itself. So, like for example, if you buy Tone Junkie profiles, you'll often get a Klon, maybe a real Tube Screamer, and some other styles of boosts that are pushing. Like, let's say if you buy Deluxe Reverb from him, you're going to get a couple of different options. Right, and it's right in the thing. Now, you and I can both talk to the fact that if you, when you switch your Helix stuff, because he talked about in the Rhett talked about in his video, he talked about the the fact that Kemper um, allows you to switch, you know, in your profiles, but you can literally switch profiles. You can That's go exactly from your clean tone. Works, yes. Right. You can say, Oh, my clean it's tone a deluxe reverb. is a Fender Deluxe. Yeah. A deluxe reverb. And my uh, driven tone is a Marshall and my lead tone is a is, Mesa um, Boogie, you know, Mesa whatever Boogie, you want right. to do or whatever, whatever profile you got on the, with, with whatever drives you had built into the profile. Now, there are some other there's some other components on that though. But I want to finish. All right. But if you go to the helix and you can speak to this, then you're stuck in snapshots. And unless you want to put up with a with a delay of, you know, it half going second, in and out half of a second. Yeah, but it is there. Yeah, it's there enough that you don't want to do it. Right. So um the only thing you could do, you cannot punch in um amps. Could only punch in effects and out effects and change. Um, and it used to be that you couldn't even change the individual. What it was it? You couldn't change the individual effects, or there was they something didn't about have the, snapshots when it came out. Yeah. It, when when the Helix came out, there were zero snapshot functions because right. the Helix was originally the idea that you'd set up an amp or an or two amps, right, and have a stereo setup inside the helix and then you would have drive pedals in front to do all your controls and so everything would be in kind of a live configuration you would turn on your drive pedals by pressing a button right um and i think that works for some players but but honestly like they realized very quickly that they needed to get over this hurdle of being able to switch presets and so the idea was well we can't do that because obviously this stuff is it's big right it takes a lot to load it into memory and so the idea was that oh well we could just make snapshots and then you press a snapshot and it saves basically all the um, the settings for a preset, right? And so you could have different settings, but the same same blocks, same equipment. And you could turn things on and off. So it's really powerful and you can do some crazy fantastic things with snapshots, but there's some limitations. And one of those limitations is you can't exclude pedals from the snapshot. So like, let's say you got a delay pedal and you want it to be global on for all snapshots. Can't do that. Um, and I think that may have come in, come in the last uh, the last update, but when I had it, it wasn't doing that. Um, and then, of course, 
the other the other limitation is yes, you can run you know I think it's what sixteen blocks or something uh, in a chain in Helix, but but you're not going to be able to run more than three amplifier blocks in a given patch, even if you use both processing paths. And if you own if you've ever owned one or you're going to own one, you'll see what I mean. There's there's some hardware limitations there that immediately neuter it compared to how you would use the Kemper. Now can't do two amps at once in the Kemper. For a lot of people, that's a deal breaker. I think that's the silliest function in the world. I know people are gonna. I'm gonna get the hate mail for saying that, but but in reality, um, if I'm running a stereo configuration of amps, like ideally, I'd probably want the same amps. I know that other people have this mentality, like I want this one that handles lows and this one that handles highs, and I get it because that's how you do it in the studio. But when you're live, you want to be more focused because you're you're gonna get lost in the mix, or you're not gonna be as focused in certain areas where you should be. Right. Um, so I, I totally have always thought like if I was ever going to do that, I would get another Mark five and a different cab. I keep, I, I would get different cabs, but I, but I want them to be, you saw, cause I want them to be sort of similar, but I don't want them to be night and day, you know, different either. So it's like gotta be in the, gotta be in the ballpark. Um, so I, I'm, back to what you're saying about effects in Helix and Kemper land. Um, there's there's this whole thing about how well you can't have complicated signal paths in Kemper, so you can't do the crazy sounds that you get out of the Helix. I'm here to tell you that's completely false, right? So I can layer delays, I can layer reverbs, right? I can have four, I can have eight if I want to run stuff in front of the amp. I can't move the amp, so it goes four. There's four what they call stomps up front, which could be any effect, right? The amp block in the middle, which is like EQ, the amp cabinet, right? And then there's the uh, effects block, which is meant for modulation, delay, reverb, which has four more. So I could theoretically have four delays running, right? Uh, I could theoretically have four reverbs running. I could theoretically have, you know, two modulation pedals and two reverbs or, you know, any combination, like anything you like. So you want to get that ambient stuff? If you need more than four stomp boxes, I think there's something going on there that you probably might want to see a counselor about. Um, I, no, I, in all actuality, I have done that for certain things in the studio. But again, that studio stuff, if I'm in the studio, I don't necessarily even have to use outboard effects. I can do it all through the board and take care of all of that. Now, you're not going to be able to replicate that sound live necessarily. But once you get into those kinds of sounds, I mean... I could totally see somebody wiring into the loop the stuff they need. And I frankly, um, it, it I don't think the Kemper is meant to be a replacement for everything you have, right? I think what the Kemper is meant to be is um like the the center of your of your guitar life, right? You put it there and then you can patch a couple things in that you need. And it, so the, the, the Kemper's going to give you most of what you need, but if you have very specific needs, you have these other things you can, you can add to it in the same well, way you, that the Helix does. Right. If you look at the evolution of a Kemper, let's look at the evolution, the use of a Kemper, right? The Kemper um, began, you had, a, you had a toaster. That was the one you would bring to, yep. if you were a studio person, you would bring that to the studio. And that was the one that you used. Um, they didn't have the an studio. amp. You didn't have to bring 400 amps. Right. You had, a, you had an amp there. So, and then you had the live model, which was the one that sat in the in the rig. And you either had powered or unpowered. 
that was probably just the power the opportunity. came later right so it started as unpowered and then they went well some people were like well i need power from it because i don't have a it power was convenient. amp it was convenience they built it in i'm not sure what their sales became but let's look at the next evolution the next evolution was to add the foot switch right yeah, hey we need remote we need remote capabilities okay we'll put the switch in and you're gonna have to have this cat5 cable well just remember because all this how... stuff they knew it was coming from the beginning because the hardware hasn't right. changed okay right so the cat5 for the for the remote already existed the right. um which is you know crazy when you think about it because it was like four years later um yeah and other stuff that like we're forward thinking the spot in the in the traditional profile that's empty on the back that some people have referred to as the handle that's where the power amp is so they knew yeah, what they yeah. were doing to Get begin the with. They just knew they needed yep. investment money to keep going. Right. But here's here's my point. What it never, I don't think what it was meant to be was anything other than, it was never meant to be an all-in-one box. It was meant to be your amp profile. Right. That's, That's it. what I'm saying. Your amp profile. Hey, you don't have to drag an amp around. Use this. It's got some extra they, stuff. But it's it's got some extra stuff. You buy it if you want to do amp models, right? And that's still absolutely true. That's my biggest my biggest point of contention is when people will tell me, and and there have been people in various places on the internet who told me this, that Helix's amp modeling is just as good as the Kemper's, or it's better because I have full control over the EQ. You, I'm here to tell you right now, are patently false. Like you're you're telling you're telling fibs. You've never touched it. Because once you get your hands on a Kemper and you realize what it's capable of doing and how close it is to replicating the real amp, the Helix seems kind of silly in comparison for its amp modeling. Um, because right, right. Because we all right. So here's a scenario I laid out for somebody in the group today. Marshall Plexi, right, Jim? You, you grew up around this kind of stuff, so I'm sure you've had your hands on Plexi-ish amps, right? What is the one thing that people don't realize happens when you turn the, the gain up and it starts distorting to the EQ? Yeah, the EQ flattens out. It doesn't do anything. You could, you right, could turn the saying. bass up and it flattens out. Bass. You could, you, yeah, <laughs> you, could fl you could do this. The EQ is flattened out. That's yeah, the there's nothing you can do to it because you've saturated the amp to the point where the EQ is ineffective. And that has to do with yep. preamp pre versus postamp EQ, right? Like that's a big right. component of that. Um, so how did all those famous sounds from the 60s and 70s get recorded then if you couldn't do that with a with a um a Marshall? Now granted, there are lots of vintage amps where the EQ controls are really important to how the things operate. Um any Fender amp comes to mind. But um you know, how did they do it? Aerosmith, they record a song with a with a plexi. How do you think they did it? They did it with a they did it with board EQ. Post, right? Post amp. It was after the micro microphone. It was in the yeah, which is <laughs> what was... you get in the camper. So I I kind of stop and I wrap my head around that comment and I go, yeah. So you're gonna tell me that your your modeler is better because it models the physical components of an amplifier that's known for having a crappy EQ. Like right. what? Huh? So now, granted, Helix can do both, right? So you can put EQs before and after, but now you're talking about using blocks. And complicated signal path and this whole idea that it's going to take you longer to create this thing and you can spit we all know this you can sit and spin eq knobs till you're blue in the face with any of these products 
because guess what? We have that gives you so much control that we're we're vulnerable to it, right? So, right. um, yes, pre EQ camper profiles. I know people are like, oh well, I don't set my amps up like everybody else. Shut up! Like I'm tired of hearing it. I I, I seriously, I've got I've got no patience for it anymore because I'm going to tell you right now. I have I had the same mentality walking into the Kemper, and I have never sat there and gone, man. I really wish this this profile had just had like a little bit more mids when I dialed it in. I've, I I honestly have never had that moment. I just haven't. Um, and you do have a little bit of control over that. You have some control, right? So you can actually boost a little bit of mids going into the amp model, like by using one of your stop blocks. That that's an option. Yep. Never had to do it. Um. And then you have other parameters that are available for tweaking the amp models, which are pretty pretty significant. Um, but my point is this: Look, when you when you when you buy the 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 Kemper thing, um, the the, the I, what I mean to say was that when you buy the Helix thing, right? Like you you dial up your first amp model, and you see all the controls are just like your original amp. Um, that's a cool feeling to think that like, oh well, this is like having the original amp, and I think that's a big part of how their product modeling works. Not modeling, but but marketing, like the whole idea that well, we have somebody buys us, they think that these controls correspond to the controls in the real amp, and I'm here to tell you that's com that's a complete fabrication. That is a complete fabrication. I I have a Mark V, right? I have the Mark V 25 with the five band EQ. It's the same five band EQ that they put in the the full size Mark V, the Express, um, with yep. maybe minor tweaks, right? The five band yep. EQ that's on the Mark IV in there is literally nothing like a real mark 4 eq that the five band it is nothing like it all they did was they put an eq on there and they matched it to the frequency bands they didn't even match the q and right. and honestly i find the four band or the five band eq that's that's present on the mark 4 to be utter garbage in that in that model like i i had to cut things that i would normally be boosting it was like what is going right. on here um, it was extremely strange and extremely frustrating because I had the real amp and, or, you know, I, or I've played the real amp because I don't have a Mark IV, but I played the real amp and I know what that sounds like when it's set like that. And then I go to the model and I do the same things. And I'm going, why doesn't this sound the same? Like, what is going on here? And that's when you realize you're being sold a bill of, a bill of sale yeah. on something that isn't accurate. Okay. So it, it's important to, I think look at the difference between profiling and modeling and modeling. That's and there's two big differences when it comes to profiling and modeling. Profiling is the amp cab, the whole thing in the moment, and it's the one. It's a recording that you of the real thing, is what right. it is. The one you. That's right, and it's the one you choose. So if it's your your, I, I've said this before, but I want to make. I want to make this point clear. If it's your brothers, your cousins, the famous guitar player that you admire, Compo whatever, Hendrix's real stuff. Com component I mean, drift and all. Now, yep. here's the thing. I'm, yep. I'm, 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 now, I'm out. Wait, wait, wait. Because I want to, I want to stress that, that then the model is the one that Line 6 got, and they modeled it. They did not profile it. They modeled it. So the reaction of the amplifier is going to be different. Go ahead. I'm I'm sorry. Now, right. now take now here's over. Why, you... Here's why I got to get frustrated. Because, look, I get it when people say, oh, there's component drift on the old amps like Marshall Plexis and Deluxe Reverbs and Twin Reverbs and all the stuff that 
Line 6 claims they're doing this, you know, particular version they have sitting there. And it's probably true and accurate to an extent, but there's a lot of variables that go into that process. And there's a lot of tech that gets talked about that doesn't jive well with what they said they were doing. And, I, and I'll go into that in a minute. That's that's the latter part of this. But I, I question when a company says, well, our, it sounds just like ours. And then you don't get the opportunity to ever hear what their sounds like. Um, and I question exactly how they're producing their models too, because well, I, I'll get there in a minute. But but my point is, so like if I get a Rev G3, right? That's the new hot amp model in the, the Helix world. And then I go get a profile of a Rev G3 that was recorded with the microphone that I'm using in the cab model in the Helix. At the same distance, yeah, same same identical configuration. I'm trying to get the same tone, right? Using the the real world equivalent, and then and then profiling that versus the Helix approximation of the real world equivalent. the the Kemper's The Kemper is going to be closer. It is. It's going to match the sound of the amp in the room. Um, I've done it. I've done profiling. Like I did it with my own amp, and I literally could not tell the difference between the when I used the power amp through my cab. I literally could not tell the difference between the Kemper and my real amp. It was identical. It was scary how good it sounded. Um, and it, it, honestly, my reaction to that was, well, we're done with, we're done with tube amps. I mean, it, it, all you have to do is build them and then you profile them like, and then throw them in the garbage because you don't need them anymore. Um, I, honestly, I don't really believe that, but I'm, I'm being inflammatory for a reason. Um, talking about, the technical thing here. So line six says they're using physical modeling, right? And by all accounts, they're using physical modeling, which means that Yamaha has kind of given them some tidbits of technology to help them along their physical modeling path, which allegedly they've been physically modeling for a really long time. Um, that that's been how they've been doing it since, you know, the access to 12, um, which is fine. I have nothing against physical modeling. Um, I know that Fractal uses variations on physical modeling for um, their uh, their amp models, um, and then they use IR technology, of course, for the for the cabinets. Um, line six, I I I suspect because I've heard people say things, and line six engineers specifically say things like, "Well, it ha it sounded just like our amp through our monitors." So when we were monitoring it back with a microphone, and then we were referencing our model. And you go, wait a minute. So you're mean to tell me that you that you have all the characteristics of the components inside your amp in this software emulation, right? And then you had it in a studio and you had it mic'd up and you were comparing back and forth. Why? Why? If you can model the components, do you need to do that? I I think there is a lot more still going on, even with physical modeling, to get it closer to the real model. And I think that process plays into the to the sterile feeling of some of this stuff. Now, I'm not saying that that it's not unusable. I don't want to come off saying that, you know, like the Helix product's garbage. I had a Helix for two years. I would have gigged it while I had it. If I had it right now, I would still be using it. Um, it's not an inferior product. It's a different product. And it does things differently. And you can hear you can hear real world comparisons of here's the Helix, here's here's our, you know, real amp and do an AB comparison. And what you will find when you find some of these videos is that the Helix sounds sanitized. 
it sounds like a really, really good high-end studio recording, but it does not sound like the amp. It sounds like an amp that's been massaged and processed. I Yeah. And I want to... This is the way I, I identify sterile sound. Because I... I, maybe I see it differently. You well, probably up through probably the, agree the analog with me, digital but... age too. So that's a big component. Of right. This. Right. So the way I see a sterile sound is this, and I get this every time I go to practice every week, which is why I've been trying to find something better. To practice. <laughs> but anyway, so I practice through this little 50 watt Vox. Here, those little Vox amp plug. Dinky. Yeah. Oh no, you got the DT50 thing. All right. All right. I don't own it. It's yeah. The, it's the guys that owns the house. We practice and. So I go there and I practice through this and I get a really good, not good sound. I, how do you explain that? It's, it's like if it's you- It's not uh, rich. Right. It, it's like a two-dimensional- Approximation. Um, right. It, it's like crappy VR. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you're walking around, but it still looks and feels two-dimensional. It's not quite- three feet away from you or not quite right. It, it's, it just, that's what sterile is to me. I, I play with the guitar and I dig in. I don't really get what I get when I <laughs> well, dig well, in. So, and or when I back the volume down, I just lose everything so, so, instead of just a little bit. You know I don't what I think mean? It's quite the, I don't think we're describing quite the same thing. And, and I'll tell you why, because I think there are people okay. that prefer the sound that comes out of the helix to the real world equivalent. And Oh yeah, I could. I and could it's see just that. the fact that, like, and I'm not saying this isn't the amp in the room argument. Let me make this very clear: because the amp in the room argument yeah. is a whole other thing. The Kemper doesn't do a great right. amp in the room unless you're going nope. direct out into a cabinet, right? And right. the um, and even then, you got to be pushing that cab pretty hard. Um, with the uh, the Helix, you still got to have power amp all that, and to get away from that kind of thing. But but what I'm trying to say is that um, the the Kemper sound sound it, it, there's more clarity to it but not clarity in the treble range like separation between notes i guess is what i'm talking about definition right um yep whereas then, then the real amp not then the kemper then the real amp and that's where i notice immediately i'm like this is weird now going back and forth i got um i had the mark four setting on my mark five right and i was going back and forth between right. the helix and the and the mark five um and I was going to do a video on it, but I don't have my helix anymore. But um, I got them to sound pretty similar, right? It took a lot of tweaking to get them there. Um, and what I noticed was that the feel of the the actual tube amp was way more immediate than the the helix. The helix felt delayed to me. Um, it was basically the same feeling I had playing that Ibanez AZ, which is just the attack wasn't there. Um, I'd pluck the note, but it wouldn't hit me. Like the the same way it would when I plucked the note through, you know, my Mark V. I have not done the same test right. with Kemper yet. So this may actually turn the tides of things. But um, I have a feeling they're going to be very similar because I, I have done the profile of my real amp and the attack was basically the same. There was, I mean, like I said, it's indistinguishable. I literally could not tell. Yeah, well, I think we're, we're kind of saying the same thing when, okay, so... I understand it's not amp in the room. There's certain amounts of feedback. There's certain things that I can get from an amp but sitting well, next you're to talking me. About, the reason why I said that, Jim, what actually to clarify, when you say that you know it sounded two dimensional or whatever, it didn't sound it didn't sound like the the, the depth and clear and all these things. There, the Helix has all that. The problem with the Helix is it has too much of it. 
It actually sounds, yeah, I could it, see it that. goes to the other end of things where it sounds unnatural. It doesn't sound dirty. It doesn't sound like it's kind of flattened out, like because the microphone's slightly askew or whatever, like you would in a real situation. Mm. And that, and and those okay. things are the things that I miss, and like I can't pick up. On. But but it's it's actually the the feel I think is the real benefit. I mentioned in the group today. I think that I think the difference in sound quality between the two units is about five percent. I don't think it's much at all. But I think that the, the 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 where the difference is the feel of the Kemper is about twenty to thirty percent better than the feel of the Helix, and that's and that's why I said like. For an amp guy, there's no comparison. If you're into amps yeah. and you've owned like 10 different tube amps and like, you know, that that's your jam and you don't have pedal boards with like 30 drive pedals on it, you're probably going to prefer the Kemper to the Helix. That's that's my personal opinion. Um, But the, where the Helix wins, it's got it's got decent effects. I mean, um, and 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 the big selling point for me is the Helix integrates into pretty much any rig known to man you put that thing on the floor you got four loops i never used them but there are four loops i could patch in whatever yep. pedals i wanted provided they played nice with buffers um because yep. i'm sure i talked about that when i had it um yep. and then you can do all these complex routings and you can put the pedals in different places and you could literally use the helix as a switching system and not have yeah not use any of the sounds in it i mean that's that's my point. It could be a four loop switcher with no sounds going through it, except other than the DA conversion when you plug in and come out, right? And for some people, that's a big big boon. Be able to integrate something like that to be able to control your amp channels to do away with the need for a pedal board because you just got the Helix on the floor instead. Yeah, I think there was something that Tone Junkie was discussing, and that is that the Helix does best. Okay, is if you're in a band that uses a lot of MIDI control for like timed stuff, your lighting, Kemper can do that too. Your all the other stuff, the Helix does it well. I'm not saying the Kemper you can't, can't trigger. I don't think you can trigger with the Kemper, but you could. You could right. have all the patch changes done via MIDI easily. Yeah. Um, and so, I think any of these digital apparatuses have a home in a in a setup like that. Where you're going to be doing yeah. some sort of synchronization and um yep. so but i want to i want to i kind of want to put the nail in the coffin on this topic basically my point is and i know it seems like i'm very being very preachy and like defending the kemper um i don't I, I i'm not trying to tell anybody that you need to go get a kemper over a helix what i'm trying to say is stop demonizing kemper for coming out of for the product that competes with helix that's right, not right. that's that's not going to help anybody. If anything, what I'd like to see Line Six take away from this is that in the Helix Two or in Helix Three or whatever iteration on down the road, um, they start looking at how do they approach the problem of modeling a real rig that somebody owns, and and if they have to incorporate some sort of profiling technology to make that a reality, that could be very useful. But you know what? At this point, I think the lines—I think the lines of technology in the technology sand have already been drawn. I think they're going to stick with component yeah. modeling and they're going to ride that guy as far as they can get it. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if Kemper doesn't end up in the hands of somebody like Marshall. And because Mar the code amps were a large failure, what if like Kemper and Marshall teamed up and they started to produce like some sort of entry-level Kemper option that was really just a Marshall? Marshall Code 2 that yeah. profiled real Marshalls 
Um, yeah. Now, granted, I think that's a fantasy. I don't think because uh, the, the I don't think Marshall's willing to to get into those those chips that the Kemper runs on. But um, it's just food for thought. If somebody were to come in and buy uh, Kemper, I mean, and 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 we don't know what what Kristoff uh, Kemper's long term game plan for the business is. A lot of people thought. Oh, he's got vi- the virus synthesizer. This is going to be a side project he does, and then he's going to go back to virus. He has like he has no real plans to go back and make another virus synth. Um, no, no, at least not publicly. I mean, they asked him at Nam this year, and he basically said, he said, uh, you know, it's a, it's a good product. It is, you know, kind of where we want it to be, and um, it, maybe at some point when things kind of die down in Kemperland, we'll go back and we'll revisit it. Uh, but that was like the vaguest way of saying like, yeah, it's still on our minds. Uh, I, I don't think it is. I think they're basically saying like, we're making way more money making guitar products and it's, yeah. it's just not lucrative for us. Um, so I don't know. I, my point is if, if you're going to, if you're looking at one of these modelers, go buy them, go, go buy a Helix. Well, at least try. Yeah, well, I don't know if you can get the feel for one of these products in, in 12 hours. You go to a store and you stay there from open to close. You might. I, I think you're going to be able to make a pretty fair comparison on like just basic overall sound quality. But the things that people bitch and complain about, like honestly, this is the one thing that still just drives me crazy. The user interface of the of the Helix is superior to the Kemper or or the um or the, the Head Rush has the best user interface of all of them. Look. Once you learn to use this product, is the user interface going to matter to you? Because all of these products are not like the old rack systems, okay? Where you had to scroll through all these crazy menus and like none of it made sense. And you were just like literally seeing numbers change. Right. They're not like that anymore. Um, And so what I'm saying is that, you know, if you're going to buy one of these modeling devices on the strength of its user interface, what are you doing? I mean, this is about sound quality, real, really, and, and functionality, but not necessarily user interface because you're going to learn how to use it. I mean, you spent you spent $1,600 or $1,700 on a Helix. You're going to learn how to use that thing because you're going to be stuck with it, right? Oh, yeah. Or you're going to sell it and take a, take a hit. Um, and the Head Rush, I mean, it's the least, I, I would say it's very last gen, but I think the Head Rush probably can be tweaked to get great sounds out of it. Um, but I will say that the, the interface on it is the one thing I was like, oh, yeah, it's the selling point right there. It's super easy to use. So is the Helix. So is the Kemper. You just got to sit down with it. Now, great, granted, the Kemper doesn't have a color screen. Ooh, big whoop. I mean, I, I honestly <laughs> don't get why that is the selling point for all these other products. We have a color screen. I Really? So I have a friend Who's looking who, at it? Me? I have a friend who bought... Yeah. I have a friend who bought the... Uh, uh, head yeah. rush and i asked him because he was the first person i've ever met who said yep tried the, now he only tried the head rush and the helix the kemper stage wasn't out yet when he it, bought his but anyway right this is a while ago anyway he preferred the head rush to the helix and i said i'm just curious i said because everybody i talk to prefers the helix he goes because for what i do because he still uses his right. amp it's just the effects. Um, he goes, it's fine. I want to drag and drop. I want to be able to look at that thing. And, and I see the pedals and what they are. I don't have to re- memorize a color code. And I can, I can. Does the, click, um, click, click. Does the headbrush have like scribble strips on it or anything like that? 
it has uh, it has a similar thing to the scribble scribble strips, but what it has is on that no, color display, they, which I've is bigger. I know about the color display. It's and got the actual yeah, petals, yeah. and it shows. Oh, this is the petal, and it shows them when you yeah, turn yeah, them yeah. on and off. It petals matches in the color. I mean, as far as that goes, if it, and, and that's what works for him. That's fine. He was like, I'm not, I'm not going to shoot anybody for picking somebody that works for him. But no. I'm going to ask people not to be sheep. Try the different right. products out. I went and 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 here and here's the crux of this, right? I bought the Helix. The, I did compare it with the Headrush, but I bought it on the strength of what other people were saying, which is that the Helix is the real deal and it competes with a real pedal board. And you know what it does? But it's but I I didn't need that. Like I was in the wrong frame of mind. And what I should have stopped and said, you know what? I really don't need drive pedals. I need amps. I don't need 50 million, you know, modulation effects that I'm never going to use. I need like the three that I use, you know. You know what I saw today that I haven't I hadn't seen in years or well, not years. An 11. Oh, the, 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 yeah, the, the 11 rack. rack. That is head rush. Yeah, the 11 rack. There was an 11 rack. It was $225. Yeah, and you know what? They still do pretty respectable sounds. They are yeah, I was just going to say I, if you're looking for an inexpensive option, I'm the first to admit I've played the 11 rack. And I didn't think yep. that much of it, even in its generation. Yep. But it was the value option against Fractal at that okay. time, right? So, right. That's what I'm gonna say. It was up against. The I, I think that I think the Head Rush is very similar. I think the Head Rush is slightly better. Um, in in I, sound I think quality. the one thing that I honestly think that Line Six is he, flagship, even though the flagship is the Helix in most people's minds. I think the flagship. The, the real seller, the thing that really is going to keep them afloat, their iPhone is that stomp. Yeah, that absolutely is. That's the is. one thing nobody That's else does as well. Is. And you know what? I'm that shocked that awesome it took them buy. that long to get it out. Uh, they honestly knew that if they brought that thing out early, they were going to cannibalize sales, which is why they waited until the entire product line was launched and brought that out last. Yep. That That's what that yep. was. Because if you think that thing is a Helix well, killer. See, and then they neutered I mean, it on they, purpose, though. That's what's funny about yes, it. Yes, they did. Because they yes, knew they, they had to keep sales up for the other products. But you know the product in that line that doesn't need to exist? The LT. What a joke. LT. What a joke. A thousand bucks, and all I lose is scribble strips and two loops. Why? Why is it? I know. Why is that a $700 price difference or $600 price difference? It's, it's, yeah. it's craziness. And the other thing is, the LT... You'd think, oh, LT, that means light, right? Like smaller, lightweight. No, it's no. the same size. No. Same it's size, like, same weight. like three it's, inches, it's, or not even three. It's like two inches shorter or something. It's it's crazy. And yeah. they've had yeah. nothing but quality control issues with the LT. I, I can't recommend our listeners buy the LT. I know people will tell you, oh, yeah, my LT's fine or whatever. And it's probably true. But it's like the Xbox Red Ring of Death. For every one of those, I can show you two people who said that they've had their, their expression pedal fail. I can, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. And and uh, the other side of it is that, in my mind, right now, with the with the uh, the way that they they've cannibalized their own sales. As I said, the the stop is. An I'd awesome love to have one box, but I yep. I don't think I, I, I have I, any use for it. I mean, yeah, I'd like to have one, but even at open that's mic, kinda, well, that's I, the thing. I was like, oh, it'd be nice to have an open mic, but it's like honestly, open mics. I'm plugging into a tube amp usually. And yeah, then I'll just yeah. bring I'll bring my angry driver. Yep. So uh anyway, so with the the um 
Uh, the stop is a great little option. Uh, but what I was saying is that when it comes to the Helix, what I think they ought to do is just remove the LT from the line, bring the price of the Helix down. You've paid for the R&D. You have to it by now. Bring the price down. Bring I'm, it to, wait, I'm to waiting 12, for a price drop on it. It, it is going to happen at some point. Because if anybody's buying a Helix right now, down the road, Jim. I hope it's because I hope it's because you need it. I yeah, think I, I think it's. I don't know uh, if it's that well, far. Well, well wait. Yeah. Think, yes. We get two years. I'm I'm guessing. Okay, people. He's saying two years. I'm guessing summer 2020. Okay. We're gonna see a price drop in the Helix in summer 2020. And you know why? Two reasons. I think you're gonna see a price drop because um, we're gonna see a difference in the way we're working with China. That's because debatable. of the current that's regime, deba- that's as we call it. Be careful, Jim. I don't want to have to delete your comments. <laughs> nope, you don't have to. for the government, folks. Nope. So, <laughs> yeah. So I got to be careful. Um, uh, you don't want to put your boss down on national podcastism, whatever. It is. You're about. You're about. Um, anyway, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so how about that watch? <laughs> um, the other side of it, well, I was going to buy a Casio, people. That's the watch I was talking about, right? So, um, <laughs> so the other, the other thing, the other reason I think it's going to drop in summer is because I think. Now you might be right about the two-year thing, but I think what they're going to do is they're going to come up with something that bridges the. Um, I, I think they're going to they're come going to come up with some new tech. And so they're going to have to drop the Helix price. Something I, else has got to happen. I honestly doubt that we're going to see the Helix 2 or what I would dub the Helix 1.5 for another two years. I really do because because these are these products are not computers. They're not looking to replace the product every year. They They honestly will let a product sit on the market for five years, six years, seven years. Yeah, but how long has the Helix been around? No. Eight years, seven Can't, years? We're in like year three. Yes. Really? Why do I think the Helix has been around longer Let's than that? Let's find out. Helix. Yeah. I thought it'd been around at least at least five or six years. That, that could be wrong. I'm looking. Nine six Helix release date. July eleventh, twenty fifteen. So we're we're wow. just just over okay, four years. Four. Um so I it's not been around that long, Jim. I mean and, and they're still unleashing products the... for it. Like other products in the ecosystem, which is why I would suspect Look, the M9, the M series, almost 10 years old. I suspect we're going to get uh, several more years of the current platform. And then we're going to see a 1.5 release. We, we, we will see the, the platform. I won't argue that. But I'm telling you, they've got to do something. Um, and price dropping is the easiest way well, to do it. I, did, I guess it really depends on uh, how stiff their competition is going to be from, uh, from Fractal. I don't. I honestly don't think that Line Six is even worried about Kemper. I think that's. I think their only concern is Fractal, because the Fractal fan base is so fervent that they won't look at other products. So, to an extent, maybe they've already written them off. But at the same time, it's like they their their technology when they built the Helix, it was meant to go toe to toe with Fractal. Like that was Line Six saying, you know what, we're tired of Cliff running around and throwing us under the bus and acting like this. So we have a professional level product finally, which they should have had a professional level product long before. Um, and this is our, this is our competition for that. So I don't know. It really depends. It depends on how well the, um, the Axe FX three is doing. 
I think the XFX3 is really doing well, but I looked at the XFX3 when I bought my Kemper and I actually considered buying it. The reason I didn't buy an XFX3, you can't even get the foot controllers for them. Like there's nothing available from Fractal. It's ridiculous. Unless you're going to buy Fractal products used, it doesn't make any sense. Because you're like, oh, I'm going to buy a $2,000 processor, but I don't have a controller for. Are you kidding me? Do you think that there are people who buy Helixes and or Kempers uh, as a stopgap till their axe oh, shows up? Yes, 100%. Yeah. 100%. 110%. Yeah, that's, that's I don't what think I you're going to see as much in the Kemper world. Maybe. I think most of the people that are doing that are buying as a stopgap, like they're because they have gigs and they may have to go out and play, like bar gigs, that kind of thing. Because I don't honestly, I don't think yeah. the majority of fractal. So yes, there are a lot of professional fractal users. I'm not disputing that, but I think the majority of fractal users are probably guys playing at home in their bedrooms. I really do. I yeah, really crazy. do. That's crazy. Crazy, and that thing's like a two thousand. Yeah, but those. Just... But the thing is, those guys in the '80s would have been the guys that had the you know the Marshall JSM 800 half stack in their house. Yeah, in just so house. they can play in their. Just I can't so, tell you how many. Just so they can players. play in their bedroom, like you, I'm sure you grew up knowing people like that. I Jim. knew a guy. I knew a guy who could not come to practice without a full yeah, stack. Dude. Yeah, eight and what, twelve. And what were the biggest? Speakers. What was the biggest? Uh, and a gigs you were JCM eight hundred. I'm not. Oh, we we played pizza like, joints. We we did no no. We played big big clubs. We played you know three to five hundred person clubs, but. It was just funny to see that guy loading that thing. And, and he would always look at us like, you're going to help me? No, like, oh, you're the no, idiot that's bringing you. a, you know, two four by 12s to a band pra- or band rehearsal. I'm getting just as much out of a mic'd up two by 12. Yeah, I mean. At the time, I had a two by 12. Yeah, I so I completely, I'm right there one with you, 12. Jim. Um, I think practicality, <laughs> cue, the, cue the show music. Um. I think practicality is a big part of like being a modern guitar player because our position is not as relegated. Now, now I'm going to back up and I'm going to say, uh, no, wait, wait, I got to tell uh, you about this one gig that I'm just reminded me in a minute. Hold on. So the guy roses, roses, uh, his, uh, eight by in. And I put, I put my two by 12 on top of a four by 12. So I've got six by 12. <laughs> I ran Randy output down yeah, eight yeah. ohms, you know, and eight ohms. So I've got a two by twelve into a four by twelve. We're both like loud. And what does the bass player show up show up with? One of those big old. Oh yeah, the pegs, one with the, the uh, built-in dolly. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, with the built-in dolly and eight ten-inch speakers. <laughs> puts it down, and I'm thinking, oh, big deal. He puts a sun amp on top. Okay, he slaves another one. For the other side, and puts another eight. Jim, Jim, uh, Jim. We were trying Jim, to outdo no, each other. This no, was a big no. club, by the way. This was no, a big. I'm going to tell the real story here. Jim was in Judas Priest. <laughs> yeah, or at least he was confused into believing he was in Judas Priest. <laughs> let me let me tell you something. So you had you had 16 10 inch speakers pushing bass, right? Um, and you had. Did uh, you have to change your underwear after the my, show? Oh, good lord! It I, hurt yeah, so dude. bad to be on stage, and and I was oh, I was so glad the other guy. Uh, I was probably I sang probably forty five percent of the forty forty five percent of the songs. Three days later, he regained I his voice. Hear. <laughs> oh, I couldn't hear 
good thing I said. I was like, and it hurt so Did my head. Yes, as a matter of fact, that was one of the songs we did. Um, uh, so I'll give you some of the set list. Dirty Deeds, Dumb Dirt well, Cheap. It sure was. Um, so we had like we had like six because the bass player could sing ACDC like you would not believe. So he sang like six ACDC songs. So we we did um, you know uh, for those about to rock we did uh, um, yeah, let there be ask. rock. Which is like an eight-minute guitar solo. <laughs> um, we also did a song called um, uh, "Where You're Born at Toll." Um, we uh, we also did a song that was called the Rodeo I'm Song. Familiar? Yeah, most people know the lyrics to that, and if they don't, it's because they they're good enough they're, not to they're use good, so much they're good, they're foul good language. <laughs> they're good Christians, not like Jim and, and I. Um, so anyway, yeah, not like me. That's why I have to go. To church every Sunday and uh, confess my sins. So anyway, um, I uh, we did this uh, thing. We had uh, Judas Priest. We did um, Screaming for Vengeance and um, Victim of Changes, and uh, and and that guy could hit some high notes. I can I can sing some high notes. And this was ten years ago, maybe. Um, the other guitar players passed away since the poor guy died of cancer. Anyway. Um, and uh, we did um, uh, yeah. breaking the law, and it sounded. Oh, I'm sure so it all good. sounded it really, really good. Did. But, uh, it sounded really good, and it was. You so know what's really painful. funny though is I predicted like how many painful. songs in that set list did I predict? Like Ace of Spades. Oh, you probably predicted like, all some of them. some of the some of the oh, ACDC. Yeah, I was thinking of that. Go ahead. ahead. And I mentioned that yep. you thought Let's you were see. in Judas Priest, so it's pretty yep. clear yep. like we were on the same wavelength. That's why everybody oh, got we loud. We did Iron Maiden. We did uh, Not uh, Run to the Hills, the and, the, and our drummer was was one of those. And speaking of so, Iron Maiden, the gig I went to this weekend, uh, Robert Jackson went to this as well. I I got to see him there. Um, just hanging out, talked for a little bit. He had nicer seats than I did. I was on the lawn. Um, I gotta be honest. Like I've seen you know concert DVDs and stuff of of uh, Iron Maiden. And I kind of knew what to expect. And I went with two guys that have been to like five different Iron Maiden gigs um, who were actually kind of responsible for me being in the made it all in the first place. Um, and I, so Jim, first off, this was like Maiden in their heyday. Okay. The, the, the guys I'd been with, they've been watching them live since like 99, 2000 ish. And, my first Iron Maiden concert was 1980 yeah. or 81. It's like round killers. You saw them with Paul Diano, you know? Um, yep. So I'm here I'm here, and I'm thinking like, oh, this is going to be like the 99 era touring, like where they're just basically like playing the songs and then overacting on stage and maybe a little bit of set piece here and there. Eddie's going to come out during the Trooper, you know? Um, this was not that, okay? So they start out and they're playing Aces High. Well, actually, what happens first is they show a commercial for the app they're plugging because they have a they have a game app, right? So Iron Maiden is the cool version of Kiss. If you haven't realized this, they're the cool version of Kiss. I know I'm I'm gonna get so much crap from you, Nick. Um, <laughs> in the sense that like they marketed themselves, but they it, it almost feels like their marketing is like super specific and they pick the right things because this is the second video game that Iron Maiden has done. 
right? They did uh, Ed Hunter. Uh, I think it was out for the Sega Saturn or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And yep. both games featured like original music and stuff that they were that they were putting in the games. Um, I think the iPhone app is, or the the uh, app that they've got out for mobile, I think is um, not original music. I think it's I think it's a lot of the, the existing music. But what was cool is they, they played the video and some people were kind of joking and talking about like, yeah, I played the you know the game. It wasn't that good or whatever. I, I don't know if any of them actually had. Um, but then all of a sudden, like the it was starting to get dark and then all the uh, the screens that are at the venue start playing World War Two footage of people running to get in the airplanes and they're spinning. And you know yeah, exactly dude, what I'm song like, is I'm coming. I'm like, oh, my right God, then, you're like, and, oh, God, here it comes out, and they start playing Aces <laughs> High. And I'm like, yeah. I'm just I'm floored because because now they pick one of the harder songs that for them to do. I mean, these guys are not old, they're not young, right? They're like pushing right. late 60s, right? Dickinson's, um, right. Dickinson's is, is in his mid 60s. Yeah. Not only that, they're playing the song. They're doing a, an insanely good job. And this airplane appears on the stage and then there's a spitfire and it's not just hanging there behind them. Like it's moving around and stuff. And I'm like, what in God's name am I watching? And of course there's fire and explosions and all kinds of craziness. And at the end of the song, Bruce looks at the audience and he's just, he says, yeah, he's like, you thought that was really cool. Um, he says, you know, we, we came up with that and he's like, we were going to close the show with that. And then we thought, Hey, we'll just make that the first song and then we'll just make everything better. And he wasn't kidding. <laughs> Dude, I, there is a song in the set, Flight of Icarus. He comes out and he's got a flamethrower strapped to his back. And, and and I looked at my buddy and he turned to me. Of course, we're both singing songs or whatever. He looks at me and he goes, he goes, who thought it would be a good idea to give Bruce Dickinson a flamethrower? And I'm like, I have no yeah. idea. Dude, it was it was incredible. I've never been to a show that was like that theatrical in my life. And I've been to see the musical box, right? And the Genesis stuff. Right. But this was a whole other level. Um, and so like they played uh, Number of the Beast and like the beast came out of the stage and it was just like, it was the size of a car. <laughs> you know, it, was, it was massive and you could see the arms moving and it was like, uh, it was interacting with the band. Um, of course, Bruce was running around with a bloody sword for a couple songs and um, yep. Yep. the during the trooper, Eddie came out. They saw they swashbuckled, and then he shot Eddie, and he blew up. Gonna, and then, then yeah, he didn't kill Eddie. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. yeah, like he always does, right? Um, so awesome, which is great. Um, but what was cool about the the set list and the performance? I didn't get to hear hear three songs I really wanted to hear. Um, Twenty Two Acacia Avenue, which is fast becoming oh, one of my favorite Maiden song. songs ever. Um, and I didn't get to hear Power Slave. Which is which has been a staple of this oh, set wow. for a long time. Yeah, and uh, I yeah. no Wrathchild. No, really. Okay, so my my first Maiden was Pauliano. Right. Then I saw Bruce Dickinson. So it was like, and, and I later, bet you, completely yeah, like band. they they completely changed like, when when Dickinson came in the band. Yeah, Pauliano was more rock punk or punk rock. Sorry, Dickinson was you know operatic almost. Um, very, very, uh, Rob Halford and his delivery, you know, in, in the heyday, uh, green man, Alishi, victim of changes type thing. So here comes, here comes Dickinson way back then, way back. We're talking 81, 82 number of the beast. And he comes out and he slays Eddie even back then slays Eddie cuts his head. 
Um, and that might have been that part might have been when he cuts his head off. What might have been the power slave? After you see yeah, him so they, many they all times, started to run kinda... together. But what was awesome about every single time I saw them was the the the. Now you've seen them in a new iteration that was completely yeah. different. Because when I would see them, it would be a new album, right? Uh, so it was um, six 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 number of the beast. Everything was number of the beast. Everything on stage. Then I saw him in Power Slave. I think right, Power Slave was next. No. Yeah, Power Slave. Power Slave was the uh, the pyramid set. Right. Peace of Mind was next. That was Flight of the Icarus, yeah, Flight I think. Of the Icarus and that kind then, of stuff. then Power Slave comes out. They had a pyramid, and they had that's when uh uh they introduced the, the planes. They brought the planes out and they, they did the same type of thing. But every time that I saw them, they didn't take away, they added. So by time by the time Seventh Son of the Seventh Son tour, yeah. and those who have seen them, those who saw them during that, everything was the old stuff. They brought out all the, but they had like seven right. eddies, but they were all like in ice. They were like encased in ice. It wasn't real ice, obviously. They were just yeah. blue and they lighting and smoke and and fog machines and everything else. It just made it look like they were in ice. But let me tell you. Dickinson, even now, because I've seen them, I saw them last, I don't know, if two tours ago or last tour. It's been a few years. Um, they, he doesn't slow down. He's running around that stage like he's 20 years he's old. Still still, and he's still does. Jumping still off drum screaming those and like, notes. Dude, he's an opera singer, yep. first off. Like, there's no way you can sing like him right. unless you've got an opera coach somewhere. Um, and just jumping off like, the craziness and like swinging across, running around with a flamethrower, you know, um, it was yeah. just, I, I honestly, you couldn't tell the dude had cancer. And, and the comment was made because no. somebody looked, I saw him before the cancer. Somebody so looked, that's how long looked up the set list that, from like a couple of shows that I, you know, like before we would see him. And I, I specifically asked not to be told what was on it. And he, um, he told me, he said, it looks like they're kind of slowing down. Like they're getting older. And, at the end of this set, him and I were talking about, I'm like, yeah, that didn't happen. Cause, cause he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't know what I was thinking because he's like, everything they picked was like harder for him to sing. And so I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, if you're, if you're maiden fan, you're planning to go see him. You don't want to know the set list, plug your ears, but I'm going to, I'm going to read the set list. I've got it up on screen here. Um, Spoiler alert. Start is high where Eagles dare. Uh, two minutes to <gasps> two minutes to midnight. The Klansman, <laughs> the trooper, Revelations, for the greater good of God, the Wicker Man, sign of the sign of the oh, cross. God. Which, oh my God, Bruce Dickinson singing "Sign of the Cross" because he didn't do it originally. Whoa, um, I wish they would redo those records with him on them. Um, Flight, I know, man. Flight of Icarus, those two records. Fear of the yeah. Dark, the, the Number of the Beast, <gasps> obviously, Iron Maiden, yep. the Encore was the evil that men do. Hallowed oh. be thy name. Oh my god. Dude, that's god. at the end of the set. Holy. How? And, and it was so good that like everybody was just figuring the band was done when they got done with that song. We were all just sitting there like, well, that's that. And then they turn around and they play Run to the Hills. Oh my god. I mean, you want to talk about vocally hard. First of all, folks, if you're not a singer, every one of those songs yeah. is like running a marathon. <laughs> it really is. It takes so much breath. You, you can know, tell by listening hills, to him. <sighs> the, 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 it's just like insane breath control. 
Now I'm going to ask you this because you you would you were there. I could never tell when I saw them that they tuned down. It no, never felt they're playing to me that standard they down at all. Now they did. So yeah. the last record, I think they had some songs that were tuned down to D. But yeah. those were songs that were tuned down to D, and they didn't perform any of them. <laughs> right, and I think that's because those were songs that were better tuned. Yeah, exactly. To D. No, it's they, not they, because, they made, oh, they, they made a conscious decision that these songs would sound better heavier. That was kind of like the, yeah. the logic behind it. Um, uh, okay, spoilers over. Yeah, so you can you can unplug your spoilers ears. Spoilers are over. Um, but but you you heard from that set list. I mean, it's just nuts. Um, oh my god! And some of my yeah, favorite and songs. songs that you probably haven't I mean, seen them perform. I don't think I, I I've ever seen them perform where Eagles Dare anywhere. Okay, I have that yeah. one. I have seen. Now, what was cool was so Seventh Son, the Seventh Son. Um, that was right before the yeah, breakup. Yeah, Bruce split because at that point they'd already had uh, and um, well, Yannick, the, Fear Yannick of the Dark had was next at that the, point. Um, and and Adrian yeah, had left. So the you know yeah, the lineup and, is now. And they right? did. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, all three everyone. guitar players: <laughs> Adrian, Bruce. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, Adrian Smith, Dave Murray. Um, uh, hold on, Janet Gers and Dave Murray. So what? Uh, well, what I was about to say is they did the entire album back to back, seventh song to seventh song. And it, what's funny is they get to the end, they go, you know, Bruce comes out and he goes, you know, there's there's a song on the album we haven't done, and everybody was like, yeah, seventh song to seventh song. Everybody was like, seventh song, and he goes, seventh song to the yeah. seventh song. You know, he's doing it, and then we're like, oh, so they were just doing an album tour. They're gonna no. Then he comes out and he goes, now for some of our old stuff. And they did six six stuff yeah. for the beast. Because they, they knew what everybody was wanting. I mean, and, was, and they still know. It was practically the live after death album, which it was like, holy, this is some of the best stuff ever. I I could not. I I could. I was so excited. I'm excited now, just hearing about, remembering I, it, and just you know, thinking I about what thought you went I was going to the Rolling Stones, right? Like I thought I was going to yeah, walk they, into basically the guys like last good tour. For them being, you know, physically yep. able to do it and whatever. And then, like, from here on out, it's going to be, like, kind of turned down. It was not that. Um, if, you're, if you're on the fence and there's still d- dates available to you to go see, buy the tickets. Just go. Yeah, Because go. we don't know. Go. Like, they're getting to the point right now in their ages. We don't know how long these guys are going to be around. And, and like, j- we almost lost Bruce Dickinson already. I mean, he had throat cancer. Yeah. Throat cancer. Even if he didn't. Pass away. You, know, you got a clean bill a of health less singing. than a year ago. It's singing. You got a clean bill of health less yeah. than a year ago. And he's out doing yep. Hollowed Be Thy Name. Like, what? Oh. <laughs> and and folks, YouTube Hollowed Be Thy Name. Just <laughs> yeah. give it a listen. Even if you're not a metal person, just listen to those. I just had, I had a moment when he was singing that, and I'm like, wait a minute. This guy was like, he's given like, you know... Uh, a bad diagnosis of cancer like a year ago. Everybody said Iron Maiden's done. No, they're not done. And in yep. fact, the end of the set, the coolest thing yep. was, because I was wondering if they were going to do this like a farewell tour. At the end of the set, of course, Bruce is on stage and he, he yells out to the audience. He says, he says, we'll be back. And and it was very clear. Yeah. It was like, we're, we are not done. Like, they, In fact, they're even talking about an album during the set. Like, yeah, we haven't done a new album yet, but yeah. we will. You know, it's it's coming. Yep. Um and uh, I, I want to also stress for the drummers, or people who have drummed or love drums, uh, 
that drummer that they have now, Nico McBrain, yeah, McBain, yeah. McBrain, Nico. Um, he does not use a no. double kick. He <laughs> single kicks the hills. all that stuff. <laughs> Listen to Run to the Hills, which was double kick when the guy that recorded it, because that wasn't Nico. Nico came in. I uh, never really thought their drums were all that spectacular in that band, to be honest with you. And, and, and it hasn't really yeah. changed much, but they fit the songs. And so I'm like, from that perspective, yes. more power to them. You know, I, I, I actually wish metal had more drums that just were there to fit the song instead of being a feature. Because it, a lot of metal bands, right. drums are a feature, right? When you hear the heavy double kick. Now, here's where I'm going to back up. So Iron Maiden was obviously awesome, right? The venue was good. Um, yes. I saw them in Noblesville, uh, Indiana, which is outside of uh, Indianapolis. Um, venue was good. Uh, well organized, except for the departure, but that's always a problem at concert venues uh, of that size and caliber, uh, yeah. right? Um, but the problem I did have is their opening band, that Raven, Raven Flight, whatever Raven something, um, Raven's Age, the Raven's Age. Um, they were, they were so stereotypical modern metal like power metal they had like the poppy male vocalist and lots of double kick and every song was in c you know it was all in this whatever open string tuning they were using yeah and it was i it wasn't yep. like it's just formulaic and yep. i've already gotten crap on certain facebook pages for it for saying it i just did they're not for me i'm sure there are probably even show listeners that like this band and that's fine but I'm just like, yeah. you're going to put these guys on before Iron Maiden? That was know, not right? the right it's, choice. Uh... Like, I know Maiden is seen as a metal band, but they're, they, they, their appeal is much wider than just metal. They tra- yeah, they transcend metal. Um, I, like Priest. Yeah, Priest, Priest, I mean, Priest is actually metal. like blues rock. I mean, to, to an extent, the early albums are. Um, yeah, Sabbath's very in that. Same thing, Sabbath. Even though people say Sabbath kind of invented metal, Sabbath transcended that, Sab- um, and so did Sabbath, Ozzy and the his Purple, uh, early- Zeppelin. All of those bands they were they were all seen as blues rock, like blues classic rock bands that basically founded heavy metal. I mean, who did Iron Maiden want to be? Right. They wanted to be Deep Purple. That was their thing, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, um, I I remember Bruce Dickinson talking about Deep Purple and mm-hmm. Uriah Heep. Believe it or not, yeah, Uriah Heep. <laughs> All right. Well, Which kind of makes he, sense. He did who Ozzy to wanted to be, right? John Lennon. Yeah, that's his idol. Really? I think I that's think why he double tracked his vocals. So well, his voice is really thin. I think that's probably why, but he spent a ton of money, and I think he bought a pair of John Lennon's glasses, the sunglasses. Um, I believe but he's, that. I he's believe a that. huge John Lennon guy. And actually, the, the reason why. Um, because he was a criminal before that. That was his his job was a criminal, basically a thief. And and, yeah, and he was yeah, in a slammer. <laughs> and one day he's like, you know what? I'm gonna do what John Lennon does. Like, I'm not gonna do this anymore. And that's that's how we got Ozzy. <laughs> it's funny when when you listen to some of the stories that are told about your favorite. How many recording artists, artists today will tell are... you like my job before I was a singer was a criminal? Like if you stop and you think about that yeah. today, what's your job before you were a singer? Well, I went to I went to music school. Like honestly, rock and roll yeah. has been so commoditized where it's like a career choice now. <laughs> it's hilarious. I don't think so. Yeah, I think that real rock Absolutely. still exists. Um, 
But I think there are pop rock, which there's been pop rock all along. No, no, no. well, don't get me wrong. I love, I'm just I'm a saying lover the sanitized, rock, but... corporatized version of rock that is extremely popular right. today is not that like is the Nickelback pop- version of rock is not the same thing yeah. as ACDC's version of rock. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. One of the one absolutely. of them. Uh, you wouldn't want to bring home to meet your mother. <laughs> the other one, you'd be like, oh, yeah, right, okay, right. <laughs> yeah. The, You'd be, you'd be, um, okay. They, you know, like you hear about Alice Cooper, who's a very good golfer. You hear about Alice Cooper and his golfing. That was not something you heard about. No, in that was a well kept secret. His golfing, <laughs> his drinking, yes, but not his golfing. Well, and the fact is, he was probably drinking while he was golfing back in 1974. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is why his he golfing was not about as good. The golfing part of it. <laughs> I, I um I'm a huge uh, a huge fan of all that stuff. You know I love to I love to look at the things that people did and and the musicians that surprisingly were not partiers like Ted yeah Nugent, you know he's the guy like that, that I always thought would and be like the, the wild guy and only on stage. <laughs> here's something. Here's something I saw. So my band covers a song that I'm not going to be proud of talking about, but Frankie goes to what? Hollywood. Um, uh, relax, relax, right? There's a. The video, the original video for Relax has this girl come out. And, of course, it's, you know, relax, don't do it when you want to, you know. All right. So this girl comes out. She's in a black petty thing, like a bikini almost thing, and dancing around the whole time behind the band. And the guy, who is not really into girls. It's it's known. (laughs) And it's cool. It's fine. And and the other guy. And so it's, it's, you know, it's a waste of her doing this, dancing half naked on the stage the whole time in the video. But what's funny is if you watch the video at the end, there's a dude that picks up a Telecaster yeah. and he's playing along. Then he puts the Telecaster down, grabs the girl and walks off. Ooh. You know who that is? Lenny. That's Lenny from freaking, uh, um, you know, the, the from motorhead. Lemmy. Oh. Lemmy. Yeah. Motorhead. Yeah. Thank you. Le- no, Lemmy. Not, not Lemmy. Thank you. Lenny. I said Lenny. Yeah. No, Lemmy. <laughs> it was Lemmy. And I was like, wait a minute. That's because the guy's wearing, dark sunglasses like you're not but he's in this pop super pop video i mean it's like the poppiest video i've ever seen and there's lemmy he comes on and he grabs the girl and he just grabs her by the waist and walks her off that sounds stage. like a lemmy it's just as sweet as you yeah it was so funny to watch that uh that i said i gotta watch that like 10 times and i said somebody i said is that lemmy and then so you know a bigger fan because i wasn't a huge you know fan of motorhead but um I loved, I loved, um, you know, the the hit, but I wasn't a huge like deep cut Motorhead oh. fan. I was more of a Molly Hatchet fan. I was more of a. AC/DC I left this fan. out. I got wrist wraps. From from wrist oh, wraps. Oh yeah. So how um, do you like those? They sent me uh, free of charge, right? And I wasn't soliciting to get them. I actually asked them a question about what this would help with, and they were like, "Oh, you have a podcast." You know, here, what's your mailing address? And then they showed up in my mail. Um, I, I, I don't have a, a, um, I don't have an opinion yet. I've only worn them a couple times. Um, they seem to be helping. Um, I don't, I haven't been having symptoms real bad lately. Um, I've been laying off the kiesel. I've been making sure that I'm sitting in proper playing positions and I'm not playing the riffs that are really, really damaging. Um, but at the same time, like, (laughs) It doesn't take a whole lot to work my hand into a frenzy with with that guitar, so I, I think it's helping. Um, but I want to do a I want to oh, do a long term on these. I want to come back in a week or two 
and I want to talk about long term what this creates. Yeah. Well, we'll see this construction wise. Like they're not. So I expected them to be like more like the medical thing I had. They're really not. But the cool thing about it is they breathe better because the medical stuff like doesn't breathe and your arm gets really hot and no. it, I, it's not a fun procedure. Um, but I think these would help anyone, not not necessarily people who are looking for a boost in uh, you know some sort of medical way. But if you want to keep your wrist straight or to try and promote good wrist health while playing, these might work for you um, because they're going to keep your wrist yeah. like they're going to remind you to keep your wrist straight while you're playing. Well, send me a link because yeah, I'd like uh, to get a set of those. I can, you know what? I can probably because uh, I let me wear them and then I'll send you them. You could probably yeah. just wash it. They're cotton. Okay, you can, you can throw them right in the yeah, washer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and okay, you can let me know how they, how they do because again, I I'd love to go back to these guys and say, you know, hey, we love the product. If if we do like it, and and talk to them about you know, um, getting a, a discount code or something for our listeners. So, yeah, that'd be great because it, it it would be super awesome to see some of the um yeah, you know, to see the results because I've been having a little trouble here mm -hmm. lately, which I wasn't having before. But I'm gonna shut my mouth because I have some really bad jokes that not appropriate for this episode. Yeah, they're terrible because yeah. the way I showed it. Yeah, yeah you, you, you guys don't have a video not knowing what Jim just. But did. my left hand. <laughs> Yeah, but my left hand has been bu bugging me. Just actually, in the wrist well, area, right through here. So it, that's um, what I'm hoping for. They send them to you. They get them in a pack of two. Um, I think they're twenty bucks. That's cheaper than the medical option. So it's like oh, no yeah. brainer. Uh, and the other thing is they yeah. they claim that you know you can use them to play piano or whatever because basically all of these instruments require your wrist to be straight. And really, what happens when you're playing a seven string guitar is your hand hooks underneath. And then to play those lower seven yep. strings, it actually, you can see this is normal. Playing like this, Jim, because he, he can see my right. fingers are forming a 90 degree angle. Yep. That's normal. That's how you play guitar, right? Yeah. When you start reaching for that seven string, you yep. see what my wrist does? It bends further. You do this. And that's not what yep. you want. You do this. You really want your wrist to stay like a like a, a, a straight angle with your fingers and your hand doing the curving. And the second you start really bending your wrist yep. is when you start having tension and loss of feeling in your fingers. That's what causes carpal tunnel. So, um, I think these are going to work pretty well. Uh, again, I'm going to come back. We'll talk about more. Maybe we can get a discount code or something going. But I want to. Um, I definitely going to start promoting them on Instagram and stuff, just because they gave us free product, and I want to make sure everybody knows they sent them to us. But I'm not like I want to be yep. very clear. This is not an endorsement. Um, not until we get some sort of like discount code or something from them, because ultimately, like I don't know how this product's going to work out long term. And number two is. Um, I don't like taking free product and then turning around into a review. We talked about that earlier in the episode. And um, right, right. <laughs> someone privately called me a hypocrite the other day. It really pissed me off. Um, he knows who he is. I, I don't know if he still listens to the show, and I really don't give a shit. Um, my point is that I'm not a hypocrite. Uh, let's just be real honest with the way that all this works. If somebody sends you something, you're going to try it out, Right. And you can have an opinion right, on it. Right. And you know what? If these things suck, I'm going to be the first to say that they suck. Because let's face it, right, I don't right. mind saying things suck. Remember all the crap I've gotten for saying that Epiphone sucks or other podcasts suck? Or <laughs> I, I, I don't think or actually ever said another podcast suck, <laughs> did I, Jim? I don't think that ever came up. But No, you did not. No, you that's never not what was said. said. And no, we and have I would never, never said say that. that about a fellow podcast. We're all in this together. We need to be elbow to elbow and, to, and, and make our, our format work. Um, but 
I'm not I'm no stranger to giving my honest opinion and assessment about something. Jim told me earlier that he bought uh he bought the katana. What did I send you? I sent a meme of uh of uh, Mike Tyson laughing. Yeah. Mike <laughs> Tyson's just, laughing at me. I'm like it, for it, real, dude. More for about real. the fact that I um yeah. Yes, yeah. I totally stole that from my wife who's sitting in the room in the background. Um she's chiming in. You stole that you from me. No, I actually I borrowed it. Um <laughs> and uh the <laughs> Yeah, but and borrowed so, it. Um, I I have no problem sharing my opinion with others. It's one of the things that people hate about me. Uh, I have no, I like, I'm yeah. completely candor and can't. Yeah, I have. I'm completely candid. He's told me. He says that that, that amp right there is a yeah, piece dude, of garbage. Yeah, you just bought that hot garbage. Congratulations. He bought that <laughs> a piece of garbage. He bought that rolling blues for a piece of garbage. Cube, and it's not blues cube. He bought a rolling cube, and I'm like, that's a piece of trash. Yeah. Like that was basically the cube that was the way I like, no, dude. But I know, but you have and, to understand when I and, say something sucks, I mean, it sucks for me. It doesn't necessarily mean it sucks for everybody, but I, right. right. I got, I got like a bunch of people in the group saying how much yeah, they love that. And I'm in the sidebar. Yeah, now, notice sucks. I didn't post it so in the group because I didn't want to get crucified. <laughs> right. But here's the thing. And, and you know, um, uh, I have to laugh because I've had, so my co-guitar player brings one of these. That's all he brings to practice. Acoustic drums, bass amp, not even, not a, Torn down bass amp, full bass amp. This little guy right here goes toe to toe. So I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm getting one. And and I watched for one, but let me tell you something, I never expected one to show up. And, and here's what happens. I order and get a confirmation and my my um katana ships, and then this little son of a shows up in my feed, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get it. Because if I do return well, I, <laughs> I think the you katana. need to do uh, a shootout. <laughs> I'm going to because this is a so, this is a pre katana. Actually, I should shoot it if out. If anybody's interested, wrist grips you can get them at wristgrips.myshopify.com. I guess um, I'm looking at their website right now yep. just because we're talking about the product. If you if you haven't seen them because they were mentioned in the group by uh, Stephen Conradi um, when I was going through all my issues, like that's what they are. You can order them from them. I think they're cheap. They're like twenty bucks. Who cares? Um, and actually, in all honesty, I was planning on buying them myself. Uh, the fact that they sent them to me was incidental. And and I and I did do a double take when they said give me your address. I thought they were gonna give me a shipping quote or something, and then I realized no, they're gonna send these to me. And I was like, oh crap! Now yeah. I'm getting free stuff, so now I'm biased. <laughs> no, you're not biased. We're gonna try them. I, um, I, honestly, I was gonna buy them too because of the fact that I've been having a little bit of. It's just right through here, like where the watch, right where go. you wear the wrist grips. Usually, I have a watch. Yeah, usually I have a watch on. And you know, believe it or not, what a watch does is it keeps your hand from bending. Yeah, I actually noticed that even Mary my, so it's even Mary, like my a... Apple Watch. Yeah, I have an Apple Watch. Don't give me any shit. Um, even wearing the Apple Watch, he's it, got an Apple Watch. It folks. does help because yeah, the, you got that Apple Watch. Yeah, I, I, I only took it off, hand. but it's the band I have. I have like a metal band that's on it, and it does prevent. Yeah. It, it makes me remind myself not to bend because I feel the metal. <clears throat> what you're experiencing is something that I experienced when I tried to play mm -hmm. a six-string bass and certain five-string mm -hmm. basses and very select, but some four-string basses. I, so today at Guitar Center, it, it, um, what reminded me of that was when I was at Guitar Center today, which I never go to Guitar Center, but today I was there. And um, that's, that's sarcasm. People. He lives there. Uh yeah. Oh, by the way, they did sell that to SRV Strat, didn't they? 
Yeah, they did. They sold the SRV strap. Twenty or forty thousand. Did I mention that? Forty thousand dollars. It sold. It sold. It it went to uh, it went to auction and sold last auction. week or two weeks ago. Anyway, so um, yeah, it was like a show oh, okay. or something. It, it sold right then. Um, anyway, so um, what did I say? Oh, the 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 um, the base. So there was this five string bass there mm-hmm. that I was trying out. Uh, because I do play bass too, and I was uh, I was thinking about getting a new bass, right? Because they got a Stratch and Dent uh, Precision. Um, it's like a not a precision, but it is a precision. I'll, I'll show. I'll send you a link of it. Um, Fender. Um, but anyway, I tried this one out. I cannot get, folks. I cannot get the feel um, of a uh, SDGR the, the Ibanez basses. I I don't care. Yeah, sound gear. I, and even the higher end Ibanez basses, I just don't like them. There's something about the the roundness of the fretboard. It's the it's the. Um, I I've had good experiences with them, but but again, I think I they're a, I think they're a guitar player's bass, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and I play bass like yeah, a bass and player. I try to as well, which is like, which is why it's kind of weird that I like them. But I would rather I really like Janelle basses. Um, I like. They've got the yeah. um their bases with the well yeah They're hard I to like find. the Music Man bases too. Well here. I like the, the Stingray. Music Man makes an awesome Dude. bass. The Stingray is so probably I was one of my favorites. Playing in Lucid Vision There's... years ago, um, which was my, you know, high school college band. Um our bass player, he had a Fender jazz bass, Mexican jazz bass. And I like that bass, right? Like yep. it was it sounded good and I was yeah. I have one. I there's one hanging on my wall next to me right now. Um but yep. he bought, he saved up his money and he bought uh, a music man, the um, Stingray. And it was so good. I like cried. I was like, how can that be that good? <laughs> and, and he was playing through like some crate four by 10. I mean, it was, it was this weird like bass amp setup he was using, but it sounded great. <laughs> so. I would normally pay play um, stage wise. I was in a two by ten. Yeah, like a two by ten or one fifteen. Go DI. The thing was, he had like this two hundred watt head and this four by ten crate base cab, and it I crate right. Like everybody kind of shakes their head at crate. Crates can sound good if you have decent speaker in them. This was crate speakers. This was a crate cab, you know, and it was not bad. And when he got that base, it just went through the roof. So, yep. So the one I've been looking at recently was a uh, Aerodyne, the Fender Aerodyne, which is kind of like a um, precision jazz mix thing, but it's got a really like beveled uh-huh. body in the back. They take a lot of weight off, but they keep the same mass to the neck and the headstock and everything else. Um, I tend to play bass like this, almost stand up. Just where, you know, guitar players like to try play bass like this. Yeah, I tend they to want to push their it up a little higher, and... almost. To... Yep, and I think that's what uh, I don't know. But anyway, what what I was getting at is how it made me when I was playing a fi- a, um, a six string or even an Ibanez one. It made me feel like you did with that seven string, like I was bending too much 
that my well, I know my that's what's going, going on. I've, I've looked at medical diagrams at this, this point, and I know the carpal pathway gets when you have to bend your wrists like that. That's what happens one way or the other. So if you're typing, a lot of times um, you'll actually put you'll put pressure because the desk pushes on the nerve. Like that's that's why they want you to raise your wrists up and have a straight angle. So I I mean I know that's what was causing it. Um, what? There's like crazy metal music in my room right now, and I guess <laughs> Alexa did it on her own. And my wife just goes, "Alexa, stop!" And I'm like, "Yes, do do stop, do stop, Alexa." Um, I all right. So I I want I have one more realization I want to share with our audience, and it's a little it's maybe horn tooting or whatever, but you know. When you start your first band or like you play your first band, it always happens really naturally, right? Like you just end up playing with a couple dudes and it like yep. keeps happening over and over or whatever. I set out when I, when I first started playing um, with my buddy, Anthony, uh, he's a drummer. Um, we were just, we were in class together and I was like, Hey, I play guitar. And he's like, I play drums. I'm like, Oh, I'll come over and I'll, we'll play together. And then like we played once and it was really clear. Like we both want to start a band. Like, what do we got to do? So we kind of sat down and we hashed out a plan. I was like, well, we need a bass player. And we need a singer. And no, nobody had any thought. I've been playing guitar about two years at that point. Nobody had any thought to themselves like, maybe we need another guitar player. Or maybe, you know, like, maybe we need another. That was my big thing. Like, we need another guitar player. Maybe we need keys or something. Because, so what does that mean? Because because most people, I think, when they've only been playing about two years, they kind of go, they, they, their first band experience is like, well, I'm going to play with the other, I'm going to play in this other guitar player's band. That's not what I did. <laughs> I, I, you know, playing in a power trio is hard enough, which we ended up being most of the time. Um, playing in a power trio is hard, right? Um, because, yeah. you know, you got to carry the weight of like a four or five piece band. I and mean, it's basically what it is. And I did that without even thinking about it. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I'll do all the guitar parts. It's fine. I'll play rhythm and lead at the same time. It's cool. Um, and that's, I, I like this. never even gave a second thought to it. Now I'm thinking about it now as an adult, like having to play the tracks and stuff. And I'm going, I'm like, I really don't want to take out these rhythm tracks because then I lose my safety net. And I'm going in completely the opposite direction. Like if you really stop and you think about that for a minute, what that means. It's, it's kind of yeah. creepy. Like I, I was fearless back then, just totally fearless. And now I'm not that way at all. Like, it's. I listened to some. I, this is coming up because uh, I listened to some of my old recordings the other day. Um, I did an import from an old drive. Yep. I'm decommissioning, and there was some of the material that we did like ten plus years ago on there. And actually, as a guitar player, I don't sound that much different. I mean, I'm obviously technically better, but the vast majority yeah. of my style and a lot of my licks were already formed back then. Um, and it was kind of enlightening because it's like, well, I've come a long way, but I'm still me, you know. <laughs> um. But just thinking about the fact that, you know, we only had one guitarist that whole time. Like, we didn't even have a singer who played guitar yeah. or anything. Yeah, I uh, um, I had, uh, when I was um, younger, the same type of thing, I, I was fearless. I would play anywhere, anytime. So he said, need a guitar player. You like, need to play. I got this. I'm in. <laughs> I got it. I got this. Don't worry about it. Even though you have, they're like, even though I material the night before. I sometimes 
They would send it to me a month before, and I wouldn't look yeah, at it. <laughs> you wouldn't even look at it, and you'd be like, oh, I got that gig tomorrow. Oh, shit. I should probably look at this. So I was um, – because we're coming up on two hours, but yeah, – yeah, yeah, um, That's why I wanted I'll to I'll never this. forget the feeling of, of standing up there and – some and suddenly it's your quote unquote turn. You you are about to do what you're supposed to do, uh, whether it's to take a song or whatever. And right now I play with a guy that played with, by the way, he played with um, Les Paul, the okay. Les Paul, not the guitar, the guy. Okay? So when he nods to me to take a solo, I mean I'm I'm just I'm happy to be in his band. <laughs> yeah, I'm like yeah, I'm standing next to this guy. And, um, you know, the, the other night, um, he's got a six, he said, somebody goes, you should get a Les Paul. He goes, I got one. He goes, oh, really? He goes, yeah, it's a 1965 Les Paul, white custom. He says, oh. And he goes, uh, he goes, um, so why don't we ever see it? Because it's signed by Les Paul from when I used to play with Les Paul in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> now the look of panic on the other person's face. <laughs> like, yeah. And the other guy was like. You you see him because he's he's this Les Paul guy. He's like, yeah. I suddenly, play a Les suddenly, Paul. suddenly he's like, yeah. Here, let suddenly. me get on the phone with my buddy Joe, Joe Bonamassa. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just it. Yeah, that actually, yeah, Joe was in town. <laughs> uh, and, and so it's just funny to to have that and, and to have his level of musicianship in the band. It's just incredible. But he nods to me, and he, so one day I said to him, I, you know, I said to him, I said, because we only planned together for a month. I said, man, I, I, every time you nod to me, I'm like. I don't know what to do. I, I just, I just experienced you playing and, and I don't, and he goes, he goes, I gotta be honest with you, Jim. He goes, I know you don't play a lot of notes, but what you do play, he goes, you play it with passion and you play it where, um, you, I know exactly what you want to say. And he goes, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. He goes, you, you sound great. Nothing more goes, you can ask for. And to have a guy like that say, you sound great. You sound fine. I go, I go oh man, I was so worried about my tone. If I thought, he goes, you overthink the whole thing. We all do. And that's the thing. That's what I want to get at. We we overthink it. We're our own worst critics. We're our own worst enemies. Dude, I was, when I that. was younger, like, I remember we were to rehearsal space, and there was a Marshall MG50 sitting there, and somebody had left in the rehearsal space. It was actually because we shared it with another band. And nice. One of, one of our band members' houses. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to plug into this today. And, dude, I played the whole rehearsal that way. I was like, man, this thing sounds really good. Now I'm looking back at myself and I'm like, you idiot. You idiot. Because I was unspoiled at that time. Like, I didn't know any better. And so it sounded fine to me. And it probably was fine. And it definitely would have been fine to the audience. But (laughs) now I'm looking back and I'm like, you moron. Like, you spoiled yourself. What are you doing? You could have been happy with a Marshall MG. Exactly. And nobody would have cared. The only people that would have cared were the guys with their arms crossed in the back of the bar. That yeah, and and I I just want to say that that as long as nobody tells me that there's an awesome guitar player in the, in the audience, I'm fine. I don't there's care if there's an awesome one in the audience or not. I I my goal is not to impress them. That honestly, that's the way I get through through like playing now. If I'm going into an open mic, I'm like, I know there are other guitar players there. I, yeah. I put my, I try to think of myself as like being on the same level as them, even if I'm not, because at the end of the day, we all got to relate to one another. We're all musicians. We're all trying to do the same thing, which is to like make something of what we're doing right now. Um, yep. 
And so I'm not going to say anything negative about them, and they're not going to say anything negative about me, hopefully. But I'm not there for them. I'm where for the guy that's buying the beer in the back because that's going to keep that place going. That's right. Because that that person with their arms crossed and their – and their bad attitude. How many, drink, how many drinks do, you, do most of your right. musicians drink when they go into an open? They mic? drink water, one or two, beer, or they drink or a they, beer, like one or two beers. I have been to some places where they're like the the tables loaded, and you're like, you're like that dude dropped a hundred bucks to go to open mic. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what an idiot! That's crazy. <laughs> no, I don't think that. I'm like, that's crazy. How's this guy standing up? You know? Yeah. Like, exactly. I what what ticks me off is that same guy you're talking yeah, to. Yeah, he's usually the one that just like fumbles through his set. He goes, he's super good. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, and then he gets up on the stage like, yeah, like, oh, it's sh- like it's like Ingrid freaking Mountainstein just yeah. to, like unlo- unleash the beast. You know, you're just or, like, or well, what am I doing here? He's Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah. He's got Jimmy Hendrix he's, licks downtown. You no, know, it's, I go, ah, oh, man. I'm a, I, I'm. The, we're gonna finish the show real quick. But that yep. is the legend of the drunken master, the guy that's yes. really drunk and plays like he plays like crap when he's sober. But he drinks yeah. and all of a sudden he becomes Stevie Ray Vaughan. You know, <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> I, I've physically seen it. There's a friend of mine. He could not drink until he had two doobies and a beer. And so <laughs> he had to smoke a couple of joints. He'd smoke at least one joint. But it, during the night, he'd smoke two or three every every break. And before the gig, he'd have a, jo- uh, he'd have a joint. And then he'd have. Pretty soon beers. it'll be legal. But yeah, it's not legal in that state. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I was just it, I had to think about it. But I I he, I think he's got a medical card now. But anyway, so Who doesn't yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, he he was the kind of guy who could not focus unless he was out of it. I have to be in it to focus. He was out of. I I drink two beers and I can't form a G chord. I don't even know well, how. I'm like, I don't know how to I do that. I think we're going to see the second coming of uh, David because they're putting me on different medication. Are you? <laughs> well, I my, hope, my, I hope uh, it's a good coming. My clinicians and therapists and other people have kind of recommended because I'm an adult and I was diagnosed with ADHD as an adolescent, that I still have ADHD and that this is going to be an ongoing problem and I need to take some medication for ADHD. And I know what that does to me. That makes me a focused mofo. And when that happens, look out. <laughs> yep. I was because then I'm just going to sit and practice technique for like six hours a day. I was on. Uh, so they did that to me. I was in my late 30s, early 40s. And they put me on a medication like that. And um, because I'm. Uh, Jim definitely has some attention issues. Yeah. And anyway, <laughs> so what happened was um, just like you, I could I, I would. Get up in the morning and I clean the house and I yeah <laughs> start laundry and I you're like looking for things to do yeah. and it's weird <laughs> and it wasn't breakfast time yet I would I, I no would, and I would look at the clock like is it time to leave it's not time to leave and I would go find something else to do and then it was okay time to go time to log in time to do whatever and I would I would start my work what can I do okay I got that done what can I do I just gave you something to do five minutes ago it's done I need something else it was like. They were like, all right, you are crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I haven't decided whether I'm doing it or not yet. Um, I've been on the medication before, so it wouldn't be a big stretch for me. I mean, I just know, I know how it makes me react. Um, I'll be a different person. I won't be nearly as angry. (laughs) Let's put it that way. Let me put it to you that way. The side effect of me being able, being, having to multitask and not getting anything done just results in me being angry. Yeah. Yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah. Jim knows the feeling because he knows I'm angry like 70% of the time. 
I, 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 I talk green down. on the podcast, and I I get huge, and I wear purple. I wear purple. Yeah, shorts. shorts. Somehow yeah. his his uh, khakis turn purple. Yeah, they turn purple, and yeah. they fit, even though I'm like five times bigger than I am. That's right. right. Now. That's right. He's like nine feet tall. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Well, anyway, right. everybody, I've been Jim. I've been David. We've been practical guitarists. You handled that well. Good night.